Welcome to Dialogue Choices Podcast, trying to rev that engine, trying to get that brain going. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. We've been yelling for 20 minutes, but I'm tired again We have somehow. not been yelling. We, we have, have just been. been sort of we have been. Mildly Almost every podcast is preempted by us shouting about something. And then I'm like, wait, no, we can't just, we, this will just go on forever. We have to start the actual podcast. And then yeah, we try to start yeah. the podcast. Clear, Andrew was the only one who was shouting. And also it was only was about sh- seven I was minutes. I was shouting. Why? Wow, timing. Time. <laughs> but also, especially last week, uh, we end, we end a podcast and then there's like a half an hour of like bonus podcast. No one gets because <laughs> we just keep going. <laughs> that does happen. Hi. Yeah. It's very funny. I'm Andrew. I was shouting. Hi, yes, I'm Keith. He's Andrew. Colonel's here. I, I so he's somewhere. He's somewhere. In, yeah. And Toaster's activated my trap card and cannot speak in this episode. Hi, I'm Toaster. Shit, that I didn't read out the consequence text. I don't know what happens now. <laughs> oh, there's a consequence. Oh, I see. This has been an eventful week. We hit we hit the threshold has, but- in Cape Escape where shit started going down, and. I'm not going to discuss any of that in detail, but uh, Cape Escape is happening. And then we did a, a Street Fighter Six tournament, which I branded as Defeat Toaster because that, that's a better title than anything else that you can give it. And did we defeat Toaster? Did Toaster get defeated? Yeah. Toaster got yeah. fifth place at his own tournament. He's a washed <laughs> up has-been who doesn't know how to play Street Fighter. Damn. Uh, Toaster's feeling Horror down buns. on on video games now. <laughs> yeah, wait, Horror I don't buns, think I the uh, the the artist, the furry artist, took first place at his Blanca. It was fun. Uh, he beat our master rank Manon player Joe. So uh, oh. yeah, uh, it, yeah, it was a fun time. But I I washed out pretty hard. Uh, I was second seed and I got fifth. So that's embarrassing. There are there were. 17 competitors and I got in a four-way tie for 13th place, which is second to last. We all collectively yeah, beat one person. <laughs> yeah. Uh me and I think me and Bird both tied for eighth. Yeah. You guys you guys yeah. did a really good job. Andrew and Bird both had a really strong showing at the tournament. Uh yeah. Bird is know, ninth place, Andrew is seventh place. Andrew tied with Mona Lisa. Which seems like a oh, significant above your belt yeah. placement. <laughs> yeah. Andrew was uh, the king of upsets. Yeah. You beat a lot of yeah. players that uh you were not seated to beat. So I think job. yeah, I think uh I think a lot of people also just don't experience a lot of JP in their lives, it feels like. People take a lot of risks <laughs> people need more JP in their him. lives. Yeah, they do. They do they need a lot more JP in their lives. He takes a he he has a lot of high risk zones people seem to run into like purposely yeah and it's like i don't think you should be here and it's you could kill me from a distance or you could kill me from like where you're standing and you don't need to come this close like go away from me (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but yeah no it was it was a good 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 tournament good turnout too there's a lot of people it was. Um, we're gonna have some more people next yeah. time. Apparently, there are people who didn't play this time that were like, "I want to get in next time." So, <laughs> sure, it will get bigger. It'll be a fun. We're gonna do it monthly. Next time, there will be prizes. I don't know how big the prizes yeah. will be, but I'll probably be buying people some like Nitro. Steam codes or something. This time, the know. prize was I drew horror buns as Blanca because I felt like it. The 
<laughs> there was the prize accidentally. I was gonna, I was, I was tempted to to hit up Crimson and commission him to do it, and I'm like, Crimson's probably asleep already by now, and I also just like feel exhausted and don't really want to do anything else today, so I'm just gonna just gonna sit here for six hours and draw, <laughs> and, and that, <laughs> and there's the prize. <laughs> It was, yeah, I, was, I I played, I washed out at 5th, and then I grinded the battle pass for eight and a half hours, slept for two hours, woke up, and grinded the battle pass for another six hours. What the oh fuck? So Why? That's because I can't take losing at a video game. You've, you've <laughs> played I need, I Street Fighter for 14 hours since the tournament? yesterday yeah pretty yeah pretty much yeah i (laughs) the one that didn't even end until yeah 18 hours ago yeah yeah yeah. i've been i've been watching i've been watching the evo matches that i missed so this weekend is also evo which is the biggest fighting game tournament in the world and because the tournament that we held was at the same time as evo i couldn't watch so the moment the tournament ended i very upset and fuming just turned on Evo on one of my monitors, watched the top 96 and top six for King of Fighters, uh, watched, or not uh, top 96, uh, top 26 for, for King of Fighters, top 26 for Strive, just caught up on everything, all of the games that I missed while I literally just sat in training mode grinding and like played a bunch of Battle Hub. And I I slept very briefly from like, 10 30 to about i would say maybe like midnight ish and i woke up and i played for a lot longer and then slept again from like 7 a.m to like 9 a.m and i immediately <laughs> started grinding again i have God. street fighter open on my screen right now damn <laughs> okay and this is what you don't tell me when i say hey toaster how are you doing when we both join discord for before everybody else yeah i didn't <laughs> want to be a, i didn't well. want to be a downer and and so, no, no. People feel bad <laughs> until we had it on recording uh i am uh, never going to, i am never going to lose a tournament again fuck you all <laughs> I'm so upset. Why? You say that, but the character you chose is clearly not your pride and joy. No, I hate my like, main, but I'm going yeah, to like, get really on. good with let's, him. I'm going to get that's really fine, good with him. But but let's not act as if like, you know, you didn't you didn't get devastated on your on on default here. Like you, you, no. you put a, that's pretty good. Getting like getting fifth place on not your your best character is a great show. That's well, like I mean, Dulcim, Dulcim is my best character, but the issue is he's just the only character I, I can I know how to play in Street Fighter Six right now. I can pick anyone up. I can learn how to play anyone. So the moment I get out of my ranked hell with Dulcim, I will switch to a character that I actually want to play and enjoy playing and will do a lot better, I think. But uh, yeah, I'm just... I like oh, the learning you, right, process. Right, because you've trapped yourself in a YouTube series about getting diamond um, yeah. dousing, right? Yes, yeah. I'm very close. I only have two two more ranks left to go to get there. So I'm not, it's not an infinite struggle. Like it will, I'll be able to get there just fine. I just need I still, to get past this plateau. Um, I feel like you would do like really great as Cammy or Kimberly. Oh, I probably would. 
I, I feel like your doll scene plays really well to that. You're good at changing your space, like your location yeah. very quickly. You're just like, I'm Playing out of your bike. Or the mix-up game and spacing yeah. and stuff, I'm pretty good at. Yeah. yeah. I would I would love to to play someone like that. I mean, the Rushdown crew is, they're all just really good or characters. Or DJ. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> DJ was the character I was considering picking up way back when the game first started. And then I was like, this is too hard. But then I... That was before anyone knew anything about the game. And now I look at DJ and I'm like, oh, my God, it's so easy. Why did I have to pick a hard <laughs> character? Why did I pick Dalsim? Because in my head, like in week one, playing Dalsim was really easy because you just do spacing. And you're like, you're like, I'm going to hit yeah. you with standing medium punch, which goes three fourths of the way across the screen because Dalsim is stretchy. Like he's the game's resident zoner. So he's just like a very easy game to uh, easy character to like chip wins off people with and like just cheese them. Uh, but at higher ranks, Dalsim, Dalsim is a character that is designed in a way that he is really oppressive in some regards, but to make up for how unbalanced he is in those regards, he is missing core tools. So uh, uh. just to think of Street Fighter, it's like every character can throw every character like the the base of the offense is like you throw you attack you block you reversal you jump but then like dalsim's attacks are like really big and do a lot of drive gauge damage and cover a lot of space and like are relatively powerful standing moves so in order to balance that they're like well he doesn't get a reversal well he has the slowest walk speed in the game so we can't shimmy he has the uh, he has like a float so he can like float over projectiles, but he can't block in the air and anything that hits him when he's in the air will give him like basically a counter hit. So he eats damage uh, if your opponent mm. reads you. So it like on one hand, I have learned how to play the game without some of these really privileged tools that other characters have. But on the other hand, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm actively hurting my development with the game because I'm not learning how to play Street Fighter 6 as a whole. I'm learning how to play Dalsim, which is like a very yeah. nuanced sort of complicated. It would be, it would be like if there was one Overwatch character where it was like, yeah, everyone, everyone in this game has cooldowns except uh Genji's cousin Kenji Kenji doesn't have cooldowns instead you have to you do typing of the dead to play Kenji and it's just like it's like okay that doesn't make sense but you sure there are great Kenji players but they play really differently than everyone else uh, that's what SJWs like. hate men and that's why they created <laughs> Kenji <laughs> yeah it's it's just like it's just weird it's just a weird uh weird thing and and I I am very disappointed in my performance at this tournament. To be fair, and I'm not johnning here. I lost fair and square. I was very drunk. <laughs> so there was also that. But uh, that was fine. It was fine. I'm just, I'm fucking, I'm never losing a tournament again. This is how I know. I messaged Apollo at like two in the morning. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is how I know I like fighting games because I feel worse than I've ever felt in my life right now. And all what? I want to do is keep playing. Like, all I want to do is keep playing and get better. No, it's bad. No, it's very awful. good because, because like, <laughs> I feel, I feel truly disappointed in myself for my performance. But 
instead of being like, oh, fuck this game. I hate this game. I got cheesed. This is fuck this. I'm like, I'm literally I watched all my replays and I was like, all right, here is where my problems were. I dropped conversions. I wasn't going for the correct Oki. Like I wasn't doing what I needed to do. Here is how I fix that. And I made a little checklist. I made my stupid little checklist and I did my stupid little <laughs> tasks. And now I'm never going to fucking drop a tournament again. It's not happening. I'm coming for you, horror buns. I'm going to do it. My God. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's self-improvement and it's it's great. And then I'm I'm going to play better. And I, even if I lose, I'll be like, well, at least I didn't lose playing like a scrub like I did before. Uh, and that's good. That's self-improvement. And it makes me feel good. And I like it. Uh, well, it's congr- just, congratulations to Robo Badger and Robin. Uh, yes. Horror Buns won the tournament, but Robo Badger and Robin ruined Toaster's life. <laughs> yeah, the Ro- Robin was was very good. Robin was someone who, who had showed great up. She, timing. Yeah, she came Perfect. out of nowhere, played uh, Ryu, uh, and it just very fundamentals based, really solid conversions wrecked so many people we went back and forth i think both of or i think our set was two one uh but we were very close they were like game five games every single time um, i was, i remember it was really good i remember doing commentary i was because i was streaming the tournament myself and i was doing commentary uh during your fight with uh with her and uh i do remember getting explicitly mad at you because you kept doing drive impact but robin has yeah. incredible timing she will yeah. nail she will like last pinpoint millisecond get that drive impact in to counter you and like every it time you did, I was like, every just time. stop like, <laughs> <You> know, please <laughs> it's it's my panic reaction that's how you know that's how you know that i'm yeah. playing tilted because like so what happened originally was robo badger <laughs> robo badger was like plays manon which is a character i have a lot of experience against but they specifically were playing, uh, and they were like, "I know Toaster's really weak to, uh, I know Toaster's really weak to drive impact, so I'm just gonna drive impact." And like, that's not even just a me thing; that's like a like a doll seam thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's like it's it was difficult so i started using drive impact more in an attempt to preempt drive impact and it, that's just how you know that <laughs> I, I was lost it just they completely scrubbed me out and that's what i mean when i say like i played poorly like i was not consistent i did scrubby things that i know better than to do at this yeah. point i look back at my replays and i'm like cringing because i'm like i like if you were to remove my name from the little like player thing uh on the uh top left side of the screen or whatever i'm like sitting there watching these matches i'm like oh why would you ever go into ex fireball here that's such it's no you don't even get good oki of it and then i like reveal my name and it's me and i'm like oh no (laughs) it just hurts (laughs) well i uh i I will say though oh sorry go for it just to explain like how this whole thing works it was a it was a double elimination bracket so what we did is we, we did like an hour of round robin beforehand and then the results of that determined the place the like the setup of the bracket or whatever and the way that this works for that people that aren't used to it because i'm not is that every time somebody loses they then go down into the losers bracket which is a separate tournament from all the people that have lost so far where all the rank all the positions are based on the positions of the uh, the table above so 
it's not that everybody who ever loses in the tournament above starts over from scratch and all competes from scratch. They compete starting at the part of the tree that they lost at in the first place. So you don't like lose forward progress for your wins, essentially. So everyone who yeah. loses in the first round starts at the very beginning of the loser's bracket. And people who lose later in the original bracket start later in the, in the, in the loser's bracket and ha don't have as much to climb back out of. But it, the, it ultimately leads to a situation that follows that tournament tree structure you used to. But you ultimately have to lose two matches in order to actually be out. So it's not just old yep. one and done and everything. Uh I had a very exciting surprise because when I I won, this did not. Uh, so so this this tournament happened in like Andrew and especially Bird's like training arc. Like Bird has been playing this yes. game nonstop for like the last two weeks, especially, and it went from somebody who didn't know basic inputs like jumping and blocking to like having fundamentals and stuff like that. So this was like his big moment to like prove himself. This was not in my in my uh, training arc. I, I showed up to a thing other people set up and was had other priorities for the last like week or two. So I uh, was basically worse than I was last week <laughs> at playing Blanca because of how little upkeep had happened. It's just I'm not playing competitive online games right now. But the 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 fun surprise was that when I put out the the tweet for it, we got Horror Buns, which is a, a creator of an adult furry visual novel. And mutual on Twitter that showed up, and I'm like, that's fun. That'll be a fun person to recognize in the tournament because this is a lot of there's a lot of viewers that are mostly like they're like usernames I recognize from chat, but I don't know really. And then a few people that I know a bit better because we've hung out in VR chat, but it's a lot of names. It's it's, it's hard to parse the crowd overall. But I've, I've got I've got a when you have a, a visual novel creator showing up, you're like, well, that's 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 interesting. That spices up the roster. But I fucking, I face off against him in round robin, and he's Blanca. He's also Blanca, which is not a fucking outcome I, I expect. And he destroys me. Like, he does shit I've never seen Blanca do, because I've only <laughs> seen myself play Blanca, basically. Yeah. And, he can, and he can pull off this insane stuff, and immediately I'm just, I'm just like, invested. But also, the most... Uh, the mo the the moment I knew I was completely fucked in this tournament beyond the obvious element of not knowing what I'm doing was that I then started the tournament against Horrorbuds in the first yeah, match after already having proven <laughs> I would lose against him. I then fought him again anyway in the real tournament. Yeah, that's how that's how the seeding works. Is it will it will put people against uh, people like that in an attempt to to figure out like what the brackets will actually be to save people time. Basically, yeah, there, I, there was zero chance I was going to defeat Horrorbuds. But more interestingly, <laughs> when I got kicked down to the... I lost against Horror Buns and... Uh, who did Bird lose against? Bird lost, lost against Leapy. So then Bird and I ended up in the first bracket of the... Uh, a loser's bracket against each other. And so Bird got to prove himself and show like how far he's come. Because uh, I have destroyed him in fighting games so far. Despite still not putting any time in. And uh, he defeated me in the first round of the loser's bracket. And moved on to get defeated by Mona Lisa. Uh, one of the organizers of the tournament. Uh, it was very funny fighting Bird because I'm gonna be honest. I kept feeling like I was winning, even though I lost every the whole match. Like I lost every match, <laughs> but I I don't or yeah match not rounds. But I felt like I was winning because I was getting away with so much shit. Because what I do is I've, mm -hmm. I've I I I realized fighting Bird that he has like 
He's got like this like uh, flowchart brain. Like I can mm-hmm. tell that he, I can tell, I, I can tell that there's certain things he's interacting with and certain things that he doesn't re- interact with well. So I would just do different moves and cycle through what I can do until I found something he couldn't react to well, and then just tortured him with it <laughs> just over it. at one point i think i did the command grab as blanca seven times in one round it's like i just yeah, kept doing Christ. it over and over I mean, and over that's how you that's how you learn right and i think in in, yeah. in bird's favor right like he adapted the the, the he, he learned yeah. how to play which was just like <laughs> It was I'm like a, so I'm like impressive. a training dummy against Bird, like like how you told me just to do Blanca Ball over over and over and over again until Bird finally started doing Drive Parry for the first time ever because he couldn't yes. do anything else against Blanca Ball, and then eventually I'm like I'm just gonna fucking keep jumping on him. <laughs> it keeps it keeps working, so I'm gonna keep doing it. Uh, but uh, anyone that actually knows what they're doing can quickly hit a point where like, oh, I'm just gonna take out half their health bar in one go. Because <laughs> people can like combo you and trap you, and I don't know what to do about that yet. But uh, yeah, it was an, it was an entertaining thing. Uh, I mostly was just hanging out and watching because I I knew I was going to, <clears throat> I knew I was going to lose every single match. But uh, I was there. There was a there was a villain built into this story because Joe had been obliterating us in our first session of this game, and Manon just, is just an evil evil character. <laughs> like villain coded but also just insufferable in a lot of other ways and so having a having somebody that's playing my character and going up against manon was like that there was a clear hero and villain of who to charge for uh, uh cheer for and against for the finals <laughs> and so i was very i was pretty i was pretty jazzed when horror beat joe in the winner's bracket but then fucking joe managed to climb all the way back up through the entire loser's yep. bracket and then face off against yeah. Horbuns again. So I got an instruction on uh, how these tournaments end because what happened is Joe, as the winner of the loser's bracket, faced off against Horbuns again and did win that match. But that means that they've now both just won one match or one series of matches against each other. So now they have to do it again. And then in that one, that still came down to a 2-3. Like, it was so... It was literally down to the last, uh, the last round of the last match of the last game, <laughs> and it was fucking agonizing. And I actually cheered. <laughs> That's awesome. I was very surprised how invested I got by the end, but that was the maximum possible drama you could have. That was absurd. <laughs> well, the system. I, 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 I'm not very familiar with the systems, but the way you described it, it sounds like it's designed to do that. Well, it, I suppose it would depend on the the quality. To some extent, uh, it's a yeah. bit of a surprise because well, I mean, it, it was a washout when they first fought. Uh, Horror Buns won zero to three uh, in, yeah. at the end of the winners bracket. But then yeah. once Joe fought all the way back up through the losers bracket to fight him again, it was exclusively. Uh, they got a reset. We had a reset in grand finals. Yeah, it yeah. just kept. <laughs> it was like the maximum possible number of fights you could have in order to determine. Uh, an, yeah. an outcome. I said climb all the way good. back up, but he was just waiting at the top of the of the losers bracket the whole yeah. time. I guess. 
Horban sat pretty as a as a Blanca player, a menace to society, uh, just just ruining everyone. Uh, Joe Joe put on a really good fight though. I think if Joe focused more on not dropping really important conversions, he would have done better. He made some interesting choices uh, and dropped a few really really important things, and that's kind of ultimately what cost him the uh, the game, the tournament. But uh, but overall. It was a fun showing and we had people from all different skill levels. So like one of the things that I think is is worth calling out for people who are listening and who might be interested is like, again, Bird didn't know how to block last week. Like, And he got a couple of weeks ago, fifth or seventh or something. Um, And then. What what uh, technically there are there isn't an eighth place. It's like seventh and then fifth, and you have two ninth, people tying them. Um, but uh, but the uh, yeah, he did he did really well, and like we had newcomers, we had people who just just didn't um, didn't even have the game until that morning playing, uh, and some of them did well. Like it's fun. It's fun to just play in this format because you get matches against lots of people. Funny things happen. You like you see something crazy on stream and you laugh at it. Like it's a good time. It's fun. And then in the end, you feel really invested in like the finals because you played with everyone and you got to see the bracket and you're watching it in real time. And I feel like everyone just like just got it. You know, like the the tournament vibe clicked at that point for everyone. Um so well, we're definitely going to make some changes and like make sure that it runs a little bit more smoothly. Uh, we'll probably do different pools next time uh, if more people join. The more people there are, the less effectively we'll be able to like capture every single match. Like even this time it was kind of hard because yeah. only a few of us were recording um, and some of us ran into some recording issues. At one point, the the game booted me, so it caused OBS to stop recording, which was a bummer. Um so we had to use my stream VOD for the the video, which is fine, fine quality. But uh, yeah, it's just a, it's like a whole thing. So if you're interested in playing, uh, we'll probably do another Street Fighter Six tournament next month. Um, and maybe if people want to play other games or, or just have like sort of an unfairment with you know other rollback fighters or things on Fightcade or whatever, we could do that, that too. That could be fun. Um, <laughs> Next year is going to be a big year for for fighting games. Uh, lots of games are coming out. Tekken Eight, um, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising. Uh, we might hear news about a new Virtua Fighter. We got Season Three of Guilty Gear Strive coming. Uh, Garo City of the Wolves, possibly uh, others. So, I think uh, I think it'll be fun if you if you're interested. Feel free to join the Discord and and participate we we got actually a pretty pretty big group of people now that play fighting games uh in in the keith server is so. garu just automatopoeia automatopoeia for awu no <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> what are you talking about i thought it might just be like japanese automatopoeia or something there's a lot of it no it comes from the it comes from the french word for werewolf lugaru ah. But I don't know. Why would I know that? <laughs> you don't know French? You live yeah, right, right next. What? Canadians? 
That's why in like movies and stuff, an- the <laughs> people will be like, the, the like the cool name for vampires will be like Garo or the Guru. Like that's what they're that's what they're called, Luguru. Um, but yeah, uh, I made a new well- wolf a OC. His name is Fenrir. All right. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I lost my train of thought. Uh, damn it. New we're gonna, sorry, it's Fatal Fury, not no. Oh yeah, Unfairnum. Even though Garo is one, but just the fucking absurdity of just like Unfairnum, and I haven't heard that term in years. Does anyone remember what Unfairnum <laughs> is? Fucking raise your hand in the chat, like. a term? It's been like eight years or something. That's a show we did one million years ago. That's where I heard it from. Yeah. <laughs> it literally, Unfairment literally happened because uh, some, of my, some of my college friends were hanging out and visiting at Andrew's place. And we just made up a show on the spot called Unfairment where we just, <laughs> we just pool whatever games we have on hand and a randomly select, like we, you do the Rand Robin like, like tournament grid thing where every combination of people are going to face off against each other. And uh, you just pick random games and random people, and no one—it's not—it's not fair. <laughs> you don't know how to play the game, and you just yeah, have to fight the, now. It's the Omegathon. It's the Pax Omegathon. Yeah, it's you just—you just go, and uh, and then if if two people tie, you then have to do like a, a sudden death round where you just do another round between those people specifically. Uh, real, real, real rough thing to do. Uh, not very marketable or brandable or SEO friendly because no one knows to even look for it. So no one's going to find shows like that, like on a whim. So it doesn't really do very well. But also like you also have to get a bunch people. of people and keep them around for like an entire day for a, a thing that'll probably take longer than you meant for it to. And you have to like for whatever games you have on hand, you do have to have like the like separate recording setup for each console hopefully working and everything and so there's like all this like tear down and set up and mess to try to like to do and then you have of course like five to eight people in one room that might have one or two microphones total so it's also an audio nightmare <laughs> there's just like a lot of reasons why this is it was a rough thing to set up but it was very funny had a lot of incredible moments one of my favorite one of my favorite absurd moments is uh, getting people to play shooters that don't understand shooters or that have only played other kinds of shooters. Like, I think we had a, we had two people face off in Turok Rage Wars and they just fundamentally could not figure out how to navigate the environment because it was such a weird shooter compared to ones that, they, that they've played before. They literally could not find each other in the game at all for huge stretches of time. And then uh, we had two Call of Duty players face off in Halo and they couldn't shoot each other because Halo doesn't have auto-aim. Because Call of Duty has oh. fucking snap aiming where you aim down sights and it automatically aims at people. So Call of Duty players, <laughs> or at least that, at least the, a lot of Call of Duty players going by the sample size of these people, don't actually know how to aim in a shooter with a controller. They just know how to run around and then like GTA auto-target people. So when they played Halo, they physically could not hit each other. It was like watching people learn how to play a video game for the first time. <laughs> there's some real incredible moments. And what is it? Uh, there's a lot of moments like somebody was pummeling on me in like not Mortal Kombat, but the Mortal Kombat superhero games, I think. 
Uh, he was like destroying me and I'm like, well, how the fuck do you block? How the fuck do you block in this game? And when I finally figured out that it's like left trigger for some reason, then I just started coming back or the very viciously <laughs> Like there's a lot of like upsets like that where people figure out the game on the fly and and it's just Dramatic and stupid. <laughs> it is a, it's a very stupid show. I had fun with that Now no one lives in the same city. Fuck you <laughs> Not one of you no. We could probably. Andrew and I live pretty close going. to each other, and yeah. Andrew's yeah, like yeah. not even thirty. And Marty. Minutes. Yeah, yeah no, we could re we could reasonably try to organize it with Marty and well, probably in Marty's house. Really, honestly. really, what just happened was Keith went. None of us live in the same city, but really, it's just Keith that doesn't live here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all like within driving distance from each other, like and not even yeah. far driving distance. Well, anyone who Marty was originally involved them. in that kind of stuff all scattered to the winds. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a massive and strange and and honestly kind of frustrating coincidence that everybody ended up moving towards where I moved from afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> I lived near where you guys live already. It's not fair. I was there before. I, mean, <laughs> what? I, I lived pretty far away. I was not near where any of you guys were, but now I am. Yeah. And now you guys both moved to where I moved from four years ago. I'm like, this, this pisses me off. <laughs> You gotta, you have, gotta move back. Could have been gotta find near people. God knows I'll never fucking meet anyone. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like the area. I like the area we're in. Uh, that actually, speaking of this, I have stuff to say about this. This might be exclusionary to Colonel. I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about our. I local don't live area. In, in those cities. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you, you do not play live fighting in games. This is a um, this is a spectator podcast for Colonel. We're we're here to tell Colonel stories, and he can nod and go. That's I cool. am enjoying. I'm enjoying the stories very much. Um, Colonel's I, like people listen to the show. This is awful. <laughs> no, the, no, I I'm listening live first before everybody else. I uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've been exploring Sacramento um the past few weeks since moving here. Uh, and I like this place a lot. People say Sacramento's boring, but I think it's great. It's a really well laid out little city. Uh, but I uh, have been going to movie theaters and stuff a lot. And I finally saw Barbie. And holy shit, Barbie was amazing. Everyone should yeah. go see Barbie. Uh, we saw it at a tiny. So one of the things that's interesting about Sacramento is that there's a lot of like non-franchise theaters here yep. for some reason like yep. it's not like la <laughs> it's not like la where you go to like a theater owned by a film studio that like i'm not even just talking about like not amc or not regal like in la there's like ipic and alamo draft house and cinemark and you know all of those fancier theaters to the academy theater and all that but like out here in sacramento there are so many like single screen mom and pop yeah. theaters. And I <laughs> I don't know what made this be a thing, but I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, we went to, we saw Barbie. The screen was amazing. The audio quality was amazing. Uh, and it was like, they served me like, uh, I mean, I've been to tons of like bar theaters and restaurant theaters before. I had a full ass like meal at this theater. Wow. 
and it was good food. Like it was awesome. So yeah, uh, highly recommend uh, checking out the theaters in Sacramento. The theater that we saw uh, Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter in was was pretty amazing as well. Uh, 70 millimeter IMAX was very cool. But uh, but yeah, man, uh, go see Barbie as well. Barbie was a, was a real joy. Highly recommended to everyone who's listening. I did enjoy Barbie. It was fun. I will watch I, it this week because I'm I on vacation and I have time. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll, we'll watch it and then yell about it next week. And Barbie spoiler cast. Let's do it. It's and I so think much it's fun. the best movie ever made because I don't watch movies. You'll probably <laughs> really like it, Colonel. It's very funny. It is a very funny and insightful movie. Uh, I like that sort of but thing. Yeah. I just yeah. don't have people to yeah. see movies with, so I don't see movies. Just, <laughs> Just go see movies alone. I I'm know. Gonna see movies, uh, yeah, I'm gonna see Barbie alone. Yeah, I mean that I was what made me, to do it. That was the uh, that was my Zootopia experience. That's how I that's how I track when I became a full timer. I didn't like to keep track of the exact day that I quit my job, but one of my first ex- memories was that I went and saw Zootopia in the middle of the day, and that was just a very strange experience of like, oh, right, I can just do stuff now. I could just do what I want instead of being beholden to Crazy, and expected huh? somewhere all the time. And and then I cried. The uh I cried at the the carrot recorder scene, and I don't know if it was because it was such a sad scene or if because I was just having a moment not being in a cubicle that day. <laughs> and like I don't even a, I under, understandable. I don't even <laughs> remember that scene. How do you, the tunnel? Don't you don't? You don't remember the tunnel <laughs> scene? Parrot recorder? No idea what you're talking about. The fuck totally is wrong with you? Yeah, How dare I know. You? I know what movie we're talking about. I can tell you the plot of that movie mostly, probably. <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that, that changed immediately. That was like mostly. Maybe. <laughs> Wait, uh... <laughs> but like, I don't know. I uh... yeah, I don't know. Zootopia. That was a good one. I saw it a few times or twice, maybe. Uh, but I don't remember the carrot scene. I don't remember that. I'm sure if you <laughs> described the entire scene to me and it was like, it's a scene where a sad thing happens to someone, I'd be like, oh, I under- I remember I remember a sad thing happening to that person, but I don't remember the specifics. It's fine. Well, you know what? Every movie has their lowest point. And in, in yeah. this case, it's where the buddy cop duo breaks up. And then they yeah. come back together in the in the carrot recorder scene. And the, they're, on a, he's, they're on the other side of the big dark tunnel. And she records him, and uh, he, he was it he records her with the carrot recorder, saying that she's just a stupid bunny, and then starts playing it back and forth. It's it under it's a uh, it's a it's a sad emotional scene. But then he's like playing, but he's like uh, fucking fun. Okay. Uh, <laughs> word correct word for the sentence. <laughs> All right, uh, Keith. Keith somehow has not spent like eighteen hours playing Street Fighter straight and getting no sleep, but he is struggling to <laughs> go here. Yeah, I. Uh, I had. Str- I, had I actually. No, I, I struggled sleeping last night. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't remember this carrot recorder scene and this entire time until you said he actually recorded her. I thought you meant it was like a recorder, like you would play like hot cross buns on. No, it makes more sense. Oh. Made out of a carrot. No, no, it's, no yeah, it's, it's, I was, it's a I was like, no. I don't remember. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember. I don't. 
I don't remember a scene where someone plays a musical carrot. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, he's he running out of the police like a, car with a recorder. Like that's no. why I was confused. Like, there's yeah. a there's a carrot pen in the movie that also has a a voice recorder built into it that's used in like a dozen scenes. It just continually reinforced from the very beginning of the movie. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't finish that sentence. I was like, dispelled, dismantled. No, no, these are the right word for like what he's doing in the scene, like undercutting the tension or whatever, and like breaking mattered. the emotion. Like, okay, I just I can't fucking finish that sentence. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> he's alleviating the weight of the this emotional. Is, this is why these essays take so long to write. <laughs> you can't figure. Like, out no, I need the right word. I need the right word for what. The... <laughs> That's the end of this podcast. Bye. <laughs> lies. This is lies. But yeah, it's. Uh, I like. I don't know. It's nice to have. I think. I think movie theaters are a nice hangout experience. Obviously, wow. I'm. I'm life hacks. I'm hitting you with the amazing fact that people like to socially watch movies. Uh, so the fact that I have one friend that lives within an hour of me and she's busy all the time means I don't see movies. Unless I just really want to just go out in the middle of the sun and bleach day and be like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to intentionally not work on my essays or any of the stuff that I, I want to be getting done today. And I'm going to take some me time. And that never happens. But I don't see movies. Well, I you think see, that's and, probably not a good thing. Is what not a good team? What? I said, I don't think that's a good thing. No. I don't think it's ideal yeah, to no. do that. <laughs> The, uh, the Street Fighter thing kind of highlights an element of what it's like to be a self-employed person versus somebody who works a day job that ends at a specific time. It's like the uh, like you and uh, and Bird have a split between like your day job and here's what the thing you have to do all day. And then you go do your free time thing, which might be streaming or it might be like, I'm just going to fuck off and play Overwatch for eight hours straight and I'm going to work on my Mercy Fundamentals or I'm going to get really good at the Foot Lady from Street Fighter. And uh, that's like a thing you can choose to do as a block of free time because you were like, in a weird sort of way, it's like the way that I the, the way that I often think about it is because I've never really had that experience is that I think about it as like when you get off of school and now you can do whatever mm. you want and hang out with your friends and, and draw or whatever yeah. the fuck you're in, interests you. And I'm like, I have like my essentially like my my professional goals which are my creative goals and i get some level of self value from them but also need to literally make sure i'm doing it right to make a living and whatnot and there is no one telling me when to start and stop working so i pretty much ended up doing exactly what my dad did which is just working all the time <laughs> well to be fair you also have two jobs you're trying to run you're trying to do uh two video essays yeah. and Video essays are in and of itself one whole job. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just a job. And then you're doing the Let's Plays, which isn't, again, is a full job, but also a job that has two jobs crammed into it. You are creating content and also editing content. Those are complete, like, actors do not edit their own movies <laughs> for yeah. a very particular yeah. reason. Yeah. It's, a, it's very, it's a, that's too much skill. And so th you have three jobs right now, Keith. You have three fucking jobs. <laughs> I'm also trying like, to. I'm also still trying to write uh, fiction sometimes, and I'm still trying to draw sometimes. Like that's a like, fourth job. There's just things <laughs> like, I want to work. I just there's things I want to develop and work on and do more at and everything. And it's and it's difficult to find the time for yeah. it and everything. The uh, yeah. I could yeah. absolutely do 
what a lot of let's players do do and i and i've, and I've like i you, you could just do the one thing and then be like yeah anyway yes you should you uh, like that's the that but is I ha- ideally but the i have things i want to accomplish but all of those are structured matter. difficult things <laughs> instead of fuck off it's watch barbie yeah. things and become good at blanca things <laughs> the, uh, I, I think the important the important part of like that or why that happens is because then you see a lot of the branching out being able to take place. You see that people like, I don't know, you take uh, like a big YouTuber like Markiplier or somebody who did like, I imagine did all of this themselves. They were like the all in one shop. But as soon as they had that opportunity to, to throw away the burden of one part of that, they can then start focusing on other projects. Does Markiplier have employees? Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. I thought I I thought I saw him of... snarkily replying to someone on Twitter recently, being like, "You think he, people? You think people work here or something?" He said, "Like you think I have a team, but it's because like he doesn't like have like a PR team or anything uh, like that. I think he has some editors. That's it. Yeah, he has editors. Like uh, he, pro- he yeah, might he have like a people. merch he's, he's team. Had him for years. My, I he's, haven't watched his videos in a while, but yeah. Yeah, he's definitely more of like the content creator or like like not director but like the oh yeah the, he does movies and stuff at least well he does stuff. but I, I don't mean in that sense i meant like he is sometimes he's like just a, a lead on a creative project like he's is not he directing it but he, sort of but he's in the project i don't know how to describe it but it's uh yeah but he th- that's what he tends to be focusing on but that can branch out to a lot of stuff music like video games or whatever yeah. smash or pass thing is that he started like that kind of stuff is like that. That's all projects he can focus on because he has other people in the background doing particular tasks that would otherwise consume him, would take over all of his time. Uh, and that's like, I think that's the problem is like, that's you have to find a way to reach that point yeah. when you can do that. And then you can start. But it was, it was very eye opening getting a reminder of just like, like kind of like how, like into like how when I go downstairs, like people are just playing League of Legends all day and so on. And I'm like, that's a different life that's a different experience that i have like it's very eye-opening to get bird and colonel into overwatch and very quickly see them have hundreds of hours in overwatch 2 and i'm like oh <laughs> right I the way that people mark. the way that people just play video games and just go <laughs> like that's why akin to like how like uh, uh, when i when i commit to a game it's like a four-month commitment but when somebody else picks up a game they beat it that day <laughs> because <laughs> uh, that's how people play video games uh i have found out that i that i am very scared of the um, uh the big guy from resident evil 2 so i have not beaten resident evil 2 remake you're, yet. you're afraid of mr x yeah have you been playing up. it oh, resident evil yeah, 2 have, is yeah. so fucking but I'm, so I'm playing so slowly so hear that <laughs> i'm playing so slowly that he hasn't showed up yet i was like apology I don't want accepted to toaster <laughs> I think you'll like it. I think I think once he shows up, you'll you'll probably be scared of him at first, and then you'll see the beauty behind the design, and you'll be like, yeah. "This is cool." I mean, this that, is a my cool fa- thing. Resident Evil. One of my favorite Resident Evil Two makes you... isolation. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. A, it's relatively similar, actually. But like, Resident Evil Two makes you feel super unsafe, and like you can't get anything done, and you're like the odds are stacked against you, and you have to take everything very slowly and carefully, and 
I, I, I always like have that. your That's always have really your exit good. set up and always have everything prepared. And then Mr. Yeah. X shows up and be like, "Hi, you don't have time for that. Fuck you. React. Yeah. <laughs> React. React now." <laughs> yeah, the number of times, the, the number coolest. of times I was in a room and I had like, like you go like my favorite thing about Resident Evil Two, 2 and also just that whole formula is just that you like you're it's built around the safe rooms. So you're in the safe room. Yeah. You hear the safe room music. You dump the stuff that you think you can afford to get out of your inventory because you're making space in your inventory for the specific loop through that wing of the next part of the area you're trying to explore and the items you think you might find and want to keep from that run but also need to keep stuff in your inventory that will make that run survivable and you're thinking about what risks you know about that are along that route and then while you're doing that route there's like a 25% chance that a liquor will show up that you did not know was there and like a 50% chance that right when you right at the worst possible moment, Mr. X will come out of the worst possible door. And suddenly you have to go in a completely different direction and just go and react and it's all going to shit. <laughs> and that's just you you there's no safe rooms until you get until you complete the loop. You gotta get back. So you gotta fix this. It's an, inc- I think it's an it's, incredible I think it's interesting because because Resident Evil 2, especially, that game has such an incredible empowerment curve for the player as well. Because everything that you're describing right now is 100% true for your first playthrough. Yeah. But then going back through on hardcore and like learning how the game works and your routes and like where items are and, and how long things actually need to take to get done and like how fast you can do things. I think my first playthrough of Resident Evil 2, my first playthrough was on hardcore. I got through it in like... I want to say seven-ish hours, eight-ish hours, maybe. And then my second playthrough, I got S+. Wow. Which is, like, under two hours on hardcore, like, not taking a ton of damage, like, stuff like that. And it's just, it's so incredible being able to do that and just do that organically from playing the game even just once. It's amazing. I love it so much. It's also what's good about discovering Resident Evil now this late into the franchise is that if you enjoy that early experience, you can do it again and again across like eight yes. games. Oh, the original wasn't like this. Uh, Resident Evil 2, the original works, the, the Mr. X works completely differently. No, but the experience I'm talking about where you have to deal with the, the safe room loop and making plans. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like taking you do it again. You make risk reward assessments about what to keep in your inventory and what you think you'll be able to accomplish and whether or not you'll be able to make it back or do this and like what you should take with you because you need to leave enough space for stuff that you actually are gonna find and so on and both supplies and key items. Like that loop and that planning and that uncertainty is my favorite thing in Resident Evil and one of my favorite things in video games. But you can't replay any of those games to recreate that experience. Like when it, this mm-hmm. this happens both both when I talk to Toaster and, and when I talk to like Rose Fix the that artist is that like they both just are like they, they, they almost don't register what I'm talking about because that's not how they experience Resident Evil anymore because they've played them so fucking much yeah the game and, does, yeah, and yeah. yeah that's also like the universal experience of like whenever when Resident Evil Four remake was coming out for example uh, yep. Everybody was posting their like fourth playthrough times where they unlock the cat ears and the wolf tail and shit from playing the game 50 times and going faster and faster and faster. And also Resident Evil 4 Remake is built for that playstyle in the first playstyle. Yes. Like it is a massive like 
everything's going to shit react now high like a high speed nightmare that that is itself a form of desperation and scrappiness that isn't the boring gears of war clone that was five and six because those were just yeah those games you were just instantly empowered you just were marcus phoenix but leon kennedy you just mowed everything down with your friend and then quipped and and then like there's no replay value because you're not better the second time you were already too good and and strong the first time because it was a completely linear series of levels with no uncertainty and experimentation and you had no like there's no like learning curve to how to actually become good at the thing like you didn't really have like i like it was really cool how like the uh I, I, like, I kind of got to recreate and recapture the experience I missed in the Resident Evil 4. Because when I played Resident Evil 4's opening village place that was so hyped up all these years, and I had already experienced versions of in Resident Evil 5 and 8, and then it was mm-hmm. desperate, and, and like, in, in 5 and 8, it was desperate. Like, that was the best part. The best part of all of Resident Evil 5 is the first level, where you and your friend are completely overwhelmed by this nightmare number of enemies coming after you. And in eight, it's like a meant to lose fight style of being overwhelmed. Uh, in four, uh, because the level design has a lot of dead ends, I just kind of walked to the right, got stuck in that one hut, and got completely trapped and just kept throwing grenades or shooting people in the head over and over again. And so I just like tower defensed down the entire horde and didn't have anything even resembling the experience that people always talk about for Resident Evil 4. And then it was over. But Resident Evil 4 Remake made that happen to me because it was it it you couldn't the level design doesn't allow you to not have that experience like they didn't they they specifically removed i think a lot of those traps and made it more loop based and more of a mess and i had had this really cool emergent moment of like def, like discovering in real time that you can deflect and ruin your deflect the chainsaw perfectly and ruin your your sword but it does save you from the chainsaw and like that was my first chainsaw encounter in all of resident evil 4 remake after having Basically, no chainsaw encounters in Resident Evil Four original besides the the sisters fight, and so th- there's a lot of stuff that like you can see Capcom getting better and better at this after despite yeah despite being like just putting out trash for like five years in that franchise <laughs> like they, <laughs> yeah. they quickly like changed gears in a way that they that companies like this rarely do, and that was really cool. We yeah, are I, I'm off a big track. fan. I think that I think that the loops in those games and and the way that it teaches you how to be good at them just by playing them is is really cool. It's like it's just a, a lot of games I think should take take notes from RE2 3 4 remake just in general. I, I think they're very interesting games. I really like the slow the way games do that but slow and I think RE4 specifically does it very fast in terms of it wants you to learn fast. Yes, and it so it, it it ends up like if you're it, the so for me anyway the 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 easiest way for me to deal with that the requirement for speed is to get myself desensitized to death, uh, yes. to the death yep. in the game, and I think that's the, uh, that's a bummer. So I, I I've never played Resident Evil <laughs> Four, the original or the or the new one, mostly for other reasons. So not that, but after watching Keith's Let's Plays. I I, th- I feel that I would be very frustrated in the in being like I know the game wants me to do something, but it's not telling me what to do. So I could try endless possibilities, not obviously not endless, but you know, 
I'm trying to remember it's the, trial and error. the Resident Evil franchise now. And I, I feel like I died a lot against the first zombie in the first game because I just was dumbfounded by how hard he was to kill and did not know what to expect of the game. But besides that, I feel like I went through the entire franchise dying very, very, very infrequently right up until Resident Evil 4 Remake. That killed me constantly. <laughs> like, I think that was like the only one that was really like that at the time. Uh, I felt so, that you died a lot in the original Resident Evil 4 in ways maybe, that uh, yeah. it seemed like you were... Maybe. You know, Both not... 4s are very aggro. Yeah. I think I died more in 4 against the weird parts of the game as opposed to like... I don't know. Yeah, there's, yeah, I'm thinking back now, I do remember like the cage scene and like the, the Chainsaw Sisters scene and like there's... Like, there are actually like, getting kidnapped. They're definitely like set pieces that you struggle with. I do yeah. kind of enjoy a game that's that's just like here's a five minute level, like a set piece, and you have to figure out how to get like survive it, and things keep going wrong. And you have to juggle multiple things. Like Ashley is pretty interesting for the fact that she's this separate thing that's going wrong on top of everything else that's happening. Like it, like the opening encounters of Resident Evil Four treat uh, teach you how to just keep running and be self sufficient and keep moving and and stay ahead of the the rising problem. So having a separate problem to juggle on top of that that you can't save your that you can't just solve by running continually is 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 very interesting to add to that mm -hmm. but Res i definitely was more frustrated by the original resident evil 4 than the remake like there are definitely parts where i was losing and was just kind of not enjoying the game like i was thankful for the fact that you can make a choice between two routes at that one early part of resident evil 4 because the giant encounter was so frustrating that I was glad to be able to not do it and do the chainsaw mm. set piece instead. That was just a cooler level in every possible way. Like, I don't know why. And then noticeably, they just deleted the giant scene from Resident Evil 4 Remake. There is no branching path. You just only do the chainsaw scene, which is better. Even you if it is... Tell. Yeah, like they, they you, you can see them learning as they go. Yeah, and yeah, like <laughs> like retroactively, people were like, "Oh, well, giant scene's obviously easy because all you have to do is is knife the chained door open." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> Why would I think I can knife a chained door? The fuck are you talking about?" Like they put me in a hallway with a giant and a bunch of like shoot this to make it fall traps. Clearly, I'm supposed to beat the giant by defeating it with a series of traps that you knock down to 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 on its head but i kept read i kept dying instantly and restarting over and over again because he kills you so quickly and every time i would shoot them they would just slightly miss over and over again it was so deeply frustrating and then like on my fifth or sixth attempt finally i i hit him perfectly and then just got right back up immediately and i'm like oh that doesn't do shit i don't actually know how to win this fight and only through the comments yeah. I found out hours later or days later, like, oh, you're supposed to knife the door open, a thing that's never <laughs> happened before. Like, okay. You don't cool have level. to knife the door open. You can beat sure. it with the traps. But the the thing the thing with this, and I think the thing that people appreciate about this game in particular, is that it is a set of design uh puzzles and questions where it says, You have X, Y, and Z ways to interact with things. So you have like you have to deal damage on stuff. Anything that needs to get damage dealt to it will have damage dealt to it by any of your tools that deal damage. So when people are like knife the door chain, 
the what they're actually saying is like you need to deal damage to the thing like like dealing damage to the chain is the key however you want to do it yeah you can choose but i think it from at that your, point your it wasn't established keys. that you could break a door open i mean all doors can be broken i think it's established in the first area the very first fight is when the enemies break the door down i don't know I think I said uh, I think, but I know. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I mean, like, well, I mean, I don't think the enemy is breaking a door down establishes that you can fundamentally in a video game. You can though, like, and that's that's the thing. Throughout though, the Resident Evil series, like door, stuff. sure, I understand that the truth is the truth because we're working backwards from already knowing the truth. But I'm saying that as a player, doors are this impossible thing you can't get through in Resident Evil games, and you need magic, fucking special, unique keys to get through each individual door. And if that's gone, then you can't possibly do interact with that door, basically. And that's true for like every single Resident Evil game. Like you just. You just open it via an open prompt or a co-op prompt or you need the angel key. And if you don't have the angel key, you literally cannot enter that room and that's it. Like, it's not like Deus Ex where you can sure. like blow up the door. So yes. Resident Evil 4 having destructible doors is kind of out of nowhere. And putting you in a set piece where you have yeah. to break the door to escape is not information you have at that point like that's not how the series works and there, there was no like break this door down to continue like tutorial earlier sure. in the game so like that's but what just, i'm saying it's just, is it's that just an incomprehensible the very, encounter the very first encounter of the game sets up how the rules of resident evil 4 are different than the rules of the other ones most importantly that doors are not sure. a loading screen in most cases <laughs> so the fact that there are interactable things in the environment like bookshelves and windows with the you know boards on them and things that you can actually interact with that take damage and get damaged that you can possibly break through like windows or doors with locks on them that you can shoot the locks off of and like things like that. This is Obviously, also the same franchise every where, single moment is, in, yeah, is it's, it's like intuitive, a but it's the same franchise where Mr. X can break doors, but you can't like yeah, enemy, enemy behaviors are not tutorials functionally because no it, but i just, think in just, resident evil 4 they are that's what i'm saying is that like no. people learned these <laughs> things because they work a certain way so it's like it's not insane to say like oh there's Maybe. a thing on a door I'm, that I'm sure i can someone break that tried takes damage a thing at some like, point inevitably but and again i'm not saying it's because it. the enemies can break the door it's that the the village encounter sets up a lot of different interactions for you to possibly play with so it's like oh i can jump through a window can i shoot through a window yes oh the enemy can kick th i can kick an enemy into the door and it explodes the door does that mean i can break doors yes like there are a myriad of opportunities to learn this information leading up to that point so while, yes, someone being like the big brain play in this particular instance is to knife the knife, the lock. I think that it's also not a stretch to say the game communicates its options well enough that when you see a lock that you don't have a key for in a hallway that has no other openings, maybe you just hit the lock like that. Yeah, I, don't, I chain, can't agree with that know? at all. I just can't. Yeah, I yeah, I I understand what these. I think I, I think it's very obviously say, you're trapped in a I, hallway with a in a boss chamber. You have to beat the enemy to continue, like in every video game you've ever played. Yeah. No, I think, but the thing is, is you can, and that is actually the way you're supposed to. But what I'm saying is, it's also not insane to be like, oh, there is another solution to this problem that we can do. Yeah, like, that's all I'm saying about that. I'm not saying like Resi you. You're the actual answer isn't 
to knife open the door. That's just a possible answer that is illuminated by what the game offers you. Yeah, people but saying I don't that's think there the was way a that single it, time an easy it would have player... been, communi been communicated to me. Like it just I don't think it written. wants to. Especially it doesn't I... want to do that. The point is yeah. that you're supposed to find out about it naturally. You are supposed to be just as desperate as Leon is. What are you going to do in such a desperate situation? Are you going to knife a fucking sure. lock? Like and this well, is, that's and this is why every, this is why every time I play games from a decade ago, like Majora's Mask, people are always like, "What the fuck? You can do that?" Because yeah. there's tons of stuff that nobody knows how to, about how games work because well, they don't tell you. Yeah. Again, yeah, my thing with this door isn't, just... yeah, my thing with this door, though, isn't that you weren't supposed, like, that's what you were supposed to organically come to on your own as the only yeah, solution exactly. to this problem. You, yeah. you can use the traps. That's why the traps are there. They are solution one to a puzzle that has probably four or five solutions. If you have a rocket launcher, you can probably just shoot the troll and kill it. You know, like, that's the way if, these games are designed. They give you tools or... Honestly, uh, let me know in the I'm comments gonna, if you think that encounter is actually any good or if you're just like, nah, I'm going the other way or, I, or, no, or, or it's good. I'm not, I'm not even from the saying, remake. yeah, when I'm not I, even saying that encounter I, is good. Cause I, cause either, I think, I think it's know? a poorly communicated encounter that's deeply frustrating and full of frustrating mechanics that just do not reliably work or are not things you would reliably be able to pull off as a player or understand about the game. And so they were like, yeah, no, we're not, we're not making this one again. We're not putting this it, one. No, yeah. Make. I mean, they got, they got rid of that section because it's pacing is bad and it just kind of is there as a, like a bunch of weird sandbox moments where you loop yeah. over doing doing puzzles that you've basically already done like encounters you've already done before in better and more interesting ways i think any sane person who plays through that is gonna see the traps and go okay i'm gonna use the traps and then you use the traps and then you deal with it you know the solution is not to run to the end of the hall and knife it it's just yeah. when you understand the things you can do in the game that becomes the best solution because it's like, oh, OK, I understand what the game is asking me. It put a hallway with a bunch of traps and a monster chasing me and it has a gated, you know, like a gate at the end. But I actually have the key the whole time, so I don't need to interact with everything else if I am smart enough to recognize that. And I do think that the game uh, Resident Evil 4, especially the original, but even more so the remake has a very linear progression of how it teaches you the various skills and various interactions you can have if you are just kind of looking at how all of the encounters are designed and all of the the uh, mechanics behind the set dressing, right? So it's very easy to do what you said and be like, Resident Evil is a game where every door has a special key and you can't get through the door without the key and the door is a loading screen so you can't break through it. But... Resident Evil 4 very specifically is a game where it's like, did you know you can stun a boss by throwing an egg at it? If you equip the egg, it's throwable for some reason. Why would it be throwable if not to be throwable in the game for some explicit gameplay purpose? I'm going to figure out what that is. And then you do it and you go, oh, my God, it stuns enemies. That's crazy. Uh, that's a very interesting set of systems that I think Resident Evil 4, especially the remake, is very, very good at teaching the player. I was to gonna do. say that I, I like that the Resident Evil 4 remake is specifically better. Like both games were frustrating, but Resident Evil 4 was better at being frustrating because it was hard, and not because it was baffling. Yeah. And like what the what do they yeah. want from me? Because it's so deeply frustrating to replay the same sequence over and over again and being like, yes. I don't really know what they want from me or what I'm doing wrong or what yeah. I what are possibilities like. 
like it's part of the uh, the struggle with like the like for example there's the tunnel monster and like I know I'm sure a lot of people love that fight and think it's really cool but not using guides not using any information about it from outside I'm like I sincerely cannot tell if he takes damage I cannot tell if I'm supposed to defeat this enemy I'm not I can't tell if he's a unstoppable used to knock like dude that chases you forever guy and you can only momentarily stun and it's just and you're just meant to like stall just long enough to escape i don't know if every single bolt like I, I once i finally won that encounter i then immediately loaded my save and was like okay i'm not going to shoot this guy I'm, I'm just gonna keep all my resources i'm literally good because like, oh are you talking about hard. the xenomorph looking guy i can't remember his name the yeah the ice tunnel guy thing yeah that keeps doing yeah. qtes at you like eventually i just like okay I'm going to undo all of the effort I put into this fight. <laughs> I'm going to specifically not resi resist him at all. I'm just going to keep running from him and save 100% of my ammo. And so, because yeah, I was so, I was so frustrated by having to finally won through trial and error and having all of my efforts to try to fight him been a, been a waste because he would not take show any signs of damage or like progress in any way. That eventually I'm just like, okay, fuck it. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to evade the entire fight and save all my stuff. And then, of course, I look it up online. It's like, oh, there's a reward for beating him. I'm like, fucking how? Sure, whatever. Yeah. I never want. I never want to go in that hallway again. I was having so little <laughs> fun that I never want to play that room again. And I was dreading. I, I was dreading that in the remake, and it was better. Yeah, in the remake, I did that fight. I beat him my first try and went. I wonder if there's a trick to this. It immediately re immediately reloaded beat him uh or beat him by just doing like what you're supposed to do without using all my resources basically and then was like i wonder if you can just avoid this and then i reloaded and just avoided it so you do like, save scum you guys are the best it will in that in that particular instance like that that is another thing that i'm I'm kind of getting at here is that like these are games that really encourage that re yeah, open 100%. system experimentation. 100%. Um, and usually these games, I think, are pretty good at rewarding you if you have a hunch. And they're pretty good at laying the crumbs so that you can get hunches. Because, like, if I had not beaten Verdugo the first time and did not see the reward, I and I just ran away from him thinking he was an evil monster, I probably still would have reloaded to just be like, can you, like now that I'm gone and I made a save file on a different little thing, can I beat him? Do I get something cool for that? Because like it's a cool set piece thing with like a very specific amount of interactions that you can have. So it's like, all right, I can freeze him four times. And while he's frozen, he takes seemingly damage because blood is spraying out of him. And then he runs away from me and we go through this loop like video game genre savviness tells me that this is some sort of interaction i'm very curious uh and and thankfully in resident evil overall i think it is good at not punishing you for trying stuff like that because if this were a worse video game and if this were one of the worse resident evil games <laughs> which, you which might the ones i played first up. Yeah, you might go to a moment like that and try to take out an enemy and then not get a reward for it, um, which is like a bummer. You know, it's always a pain in the ass. This is what I talked uh, talk about uh, with people when I'm talking about like why I really like the Souls games designs and how uh, kind of logically and reward based they are laid out. But, uh, you know, you I'll play a game like Woe Long 
and I'll be like, oh, shit, this NPC just talked to me and like they mentioned something. Maybe if I go there, like I can find them and that will progress their quest. And like I go there and I encounter something that's like kind of interesting and seems like it might be related. And then I beat it and it's like, you got 5000 souls. Good job. That's it. It's like, uh, oh, there. It just it it's signposted the most basic it. quest type. It, yeah, it like it just made it design. it made it seem like I might get something for this and like I, I might be doing something interesting by interacting with and recognizing the game design behind the game that I'm playing. But no, it just there's nothing here. That character just mentions the the offland hills uh, because the game wants you to, I guess, know that that's an area you can go to. And then it's just unrelated to them or their quest or any progression. And you don't need to go there. And it's an optional area that just like isn't really beneficial and is just a waste on your resources. Like that's mm. a pain in the ass. I think Resident Evil is especially good now. The remakes most certainly are very, very good at never doing that. Where it's like, if you get a hunch and you're like, holy shit, can I can I beat this thing by like throwing an egg and dynamite at it because it's its favorite thing? Like, oh my God, yeah, it worked. It, it tried to eat the egg and then got blown up by the dynamite. Like in there that was in a note that told me if i just read the note it said what's his name's favorite food is eggs and he's really scared of dynamite it's like oh i can actually like use this information i can weaponize that uh i really really like that and i think the, the resident evil remakes are especially good at that yeah it felt to me watching um the let's plays of particularly resident evil 3 um 2 as well obviously but they they really want all of the they really feel like the, the they want like the the all the writing to be more than just writing and add yeah. to your understanding of the the, the mechanics yeah it's all well, it's all very like ludo narratively laid out yeah maybe not all of them but like there's a lot of them that do that yeah it's very good at signposting ideas and and encounters and and kind of teaching you mechanics that way and mm -hmm. I just I just pray, I hope that if they, for whatever reason, go through with remaking all these shitty Resident Evils like Code Veronica and and five and six, like they'll do well. Code Veronica them. was was good fun watching. I never played them, but one and two, they're yeah, realistic. I love this entire thing is just to try and get rid of five and uh, a bunch of all their gonna... bad games from their library. Yes, just like, yeah, literally. We'll make all the ones that everyone likes, whatever. That's easy. But then we're getting rid of those fucking problem children. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. We're going like, to rehabilitate these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We never made a bad Resident Evil. That never happened. You can't prove it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the goal, right? And if they can manage that, that would be cool. Uh, I would appreciate that. But I just want to survive because Chris Redfield's the only good Resident Evil character. He's just the best one. Ugh. Fuck. <laughs> what the fuck? What? Everybody hated that. What the fuck do you say? Can, can you prove to me that Chris Redfield is not the best character? That man literally He's will show up. He's the most popular one in gay porn, but that's about his. That's his. That's his no. high water mark. He is not. How could you say it? He's kind I of. I do, I do Chris Redfield's a total jobber, dude. I do not think that he's a particular popular oh character narratively. He's like the least interesting possible oh. human being in the entire universe. People How just like to see him naked with people? peers a lot. 
Nah, man. Claire, Claire, Jill, and Leon are all way fucking cooler. No way. <laughs> I don't think. I every think Chris time, is better than Leon. Every time Chris Redfield shows up, you know it's a fucking party. He's going to make your life hell. Like you're gonna oh, show up, and he's gonna no. be like, "Here's a fucking motorcycle I made five seconds ago. Good luck, bud." And you're like, "Why the fuck did you make this?" And then you go outside, and you're like, "Oh my god, why is this here?" The, no. Chris, no, I hate that Chris Redfield is think, like a weird meme character that only oh. exists in the minds of fans and not yeah. actually in the games i think <laughs> i think claire is my ideal resident evil protagonist it's just it, yeah it, she's awesome the world is so sad and boring i just need fun in it it's like everyone's <laughs> talking about like look the whole world it, frustrates me everyone every single time falls for the same fucking thing except for chris redfield who keeps walking around being an enigma no one understands except, this fucking except guy he does though like canonically chris chris is just like but failed chris he, he is he has been he never figures it out he keeps falling for the same trap but chris not is, only yeah, everyone else does. yeah chris everyone is, else chris is this idiot chris, <laughs> so the funny but he's a, Leon is an idiot as well. Yeah, well, no, that's that's most of the... Leon's like a sad boy. There's a difference. Most of the plot of Resident Evil 6 is that Chris and Leon are both fucking clueless. Yeah. They literally beat the the game without learning what the plot of it was. That's great! That's so good! You have to to go play as Jake and Ada to learn what the plot was, because Leon and Clarissa both tried to kill each other over it without ever knowing what it was, and then never resolved it. They just shot a big guy and was like, I guess we did it. One of of my favorite... One of my favorite things about Resident Evil protagonists is that they're they are very one dimensional, but they're one dimensional in funny ways. And I do agree, like Chris is funny. He's like a meme character. That's why I don't like him. I don't want memes in my Resident Evil. I'm not no. interested. I don't the like second I saw him like I don't like he's punching like a- boulders and shit. And when they reference it in Resident Evil 8, I was just like rolling my eyes. I was like, fuck this. I hate this shit. But Chris is awful I in like love... every game after the first one because yeah, like yeah. five he's the the boulder puncher in six he's like everything I touch dies and then in seven yeah. and eight he's just like a vague cryptic like I am involved in like some esoteric shit we're not gonna unpack and explain for several games. <laughs> He was recruited into an anti-terrorism org that became a terrorist org, so he splintered off to form his own anti-terrorist org. Which is called Umbrella, but with a blue logo now. They're probably the good guys, right? Like, what the fuck is he doing? What? What a stupid character. (laughs) Everything you say is just what makes Chris great. Every single thing. It's just like all they didn't, even, they didn't even make him. A, they didn't fun. even make him a werewolf. I have to look up fan art of him as yeah. a werewolf in his black outfit in eight now. Because they're uh, they too cowardly to do it for real. My favorite thing about Leon is that Leon is just so pathetic. And like, I mean this. I'm not saying this in like a like he's my he's my scrunkly cinnamon roll pathetic like me. I mean like canonically. Leon, they they even made it worse in the remake for him. Leon, so just to summarize for people who don't understand this, Leon witnesses a horrible event in his life and wants to join the police force so that he can help people. He joins the police force, studies very hard, and is going to be the moral good guy cop, the mythical one of the good ones cops. Goes to the police station he's going to work at, gets hazed and made fun of by all of the other cops who are also 
objectively morally corrupt, including being basically run by the mayor and by the chief of police, who are both horrible people who are who turn out i believe the chief of police turns out to be literally aiding and abetting a child trafficking ring then after on his first day of the job turns out to be the literal apocalypse where he meets the first girl who ever expresses interest in him and she promptly as far as he is concerned double crosses him and then dies <laughs> immediately after this event he is kidnapped by the secret service and forced to enlist in a special ops operation where over time for, for like five years he undergoes this horrible training that is just incredibly abusive to him then his unit is sent out to a cartel mission sicario style and then abandoned by the government that sent him there in hopes that his entire platoon would die, thus covering up the fact that the U.S. was involved in this incident so badly botched that the person who is leading his unit defects to join an apocalypse cult. That then Leon is sent to rescue the president's daughter from... Because no, that, that the guy wants to do though. another apocalypse. And then this entire time, Leon is then infected with the apocalypse plague and has to put up with the president, his boss's daughter, hitting on him the entire time and causing an HR situation. Leon Kennedy is the most pathetic sad boy man to ever live he is a loser king he is a king among losers he <laughs> no one has lost harder in life than leon s kennedy and that is so funny that he is also so much funnier than anything in chris redfield's story to me but that's that's the best part meanwhile chris is just like i don't know why this keeps happening every fucking game he just show, he keeps showing up everyone is tragically sad or suffers incredible loss during this franchise and chris is like what keeps happening why does it keep happening like this i don't get it but i keep showing up like every game he is he is the epicenter of normality nothing can stop him nothing can make him his life difficult nothing can make him suffer. isn't he like a superhero just, in in resident evil like at the end he is essentially yeah. just like he is yeah. literally more of an enigma than any of the questions the game itself creates with its world building how the fuck <laughs> does redfield exist in this world it makes no sense he is he is canonically so fucking stupid it would be impossible impossible for him to find his way out of a blanket if you covered him with blood. <laughs> the but funny yet, thing about man... that too is that people the plot of every single Resident Evil that Chris Redfield is involved in is like somehow related to people being like, and then Chris Redfield disappeared. So now I'm chasing him to find him and find out the umbrella that he's he's trying to search. And it's just like at this point, like Chris Redfield runs back into Jill in probably in one of the movies or whatever. And he's like, been a long time since I saw you, Jill. And she's like, literally, if I was her, I would be like, I've literally seen you multiple times in the past few years and immediately after you just go missing every single time why do you just stay in one place man just like 
rent an apartment. <laughs> just, you're like, what? You're rich. What's the pro? Why do you keep disappearing? It just He's doesn't everywhere. make sense. He's everywhere. He is in every store. He's like in every corner of the world somehow. He At this point, it just makes like- no sense why anyone is still looking for him because he'll either just, just show up. up at some point <laughs> yes. or get it lost again <laughs> like why <laughs> he's li- he is literally just a demon he just he, like people want him they can never get him people don't want him he shows up like what do you what do, what more could you want from a character than this like unintentionally chaotic nightmare just a a, a literal natural disaster waiting to happen in a universe with a literal zombie apocalypse like he is scarier (laughs) than the apocalypse happening if he shows up you know fucking something's going down and it's not good for both the good guys or the bad guys like nobody wins when chris walks in and that's the best part about chris redfield he's a nightmare and he and you this always experience him. I love him. He's the best. <laughs> like how how is it how every character in Resident Evil, like legitimately, I'm not being not even joking here. Every character in Resident Evil is just somehow fucking neck deep in the most vile corruption ever possible. Oh yeah. Every, Everything's every corrupt. Every single fucking one of them. <laughs> like the Resident Evil world is seriously god fucking awful. And I like I don't know. You could make a joke about parallels to real world or whatever, but like, no, seriously, this place fucking blows. A zombie apocalypse wasn't its worst problem in this yeah. universe. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's insane. And like, uh, everyone, everyone in this world suffers. Everyone in this like horrendous, weird way. They're constantly in like insufferable amounts of just a state of trying to both survive but also (laughs) save the world like they literally are always in like do or die situations that are hyper impactful to the over uh, like overarching world they live in and then there's just fucking chris and then he just is and like it's a man who just wears a turtleneck to a fucking weird town in the middle of bumfuck nowhere who hands you the keys to a car he made. Bullshit. With what degree? You can't even <laughs> fucking lift rocks without thinking about the morality of it. And they're fucking not alive, Chris. Put him down. And like, he's a, what, what, how do you even get this character? How do you accidentally go from, oh, it's just a cop, a, a guy I found, uh, so to speak, in a police station to like a mission impossible level fucking cartoon character and everyone else stays but everyone else stays consistent everyone stays on fucking on point but somebody showed up one day and was like chris Uh uh-uh today you're a superhero and just it threw the whole (laughs) timeline off someone fucked up chris's entire lifespan in like a single writing decision where everyone else just didn't have that happen to them and like i don't know what happened but they like contained the contain like the they contained the breach into just chris redfield there's no other silly it's just chris every other character is insular in their own suffering but chris gets to just like live in a pocket bubble of perfection he does like (laughs) it's so weird i don't know how he's here that's the best part of him he doesn't fit in this universe he shouldn't be here uh great i agree i agree with andrew's perspective on what constitutes a better character chris's inane out of placeness or leon's 
patheticness and i think i agree that it's chris because in terms of uh, leon is not the most pathetic male character in the setting uh because who do you of, think uh, is more pathetic code veronica has uh somebody oh, i forget his you're gonna name, talk though. about yeah steve but steve, steve <laughs> i'm sorry yeah, steve. Steve. <laughs> steve. <laughs> i don't steve have a last name burnside uh yeah oh steve no burnside. Okay. He's like he's like a fuck boy though. There's like a slight difference there. He's pathetic in the way that like someone thought he was cool, but he's actually like super cringe. Nice. <laughs> he's he's he literally throws the the cure away or something because he's looking yeah. at the his companion's ass. It's just like uh, in a very he, weird cutscene. That's pathetic in a very different way though. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. His, his, uh, no, I when, I, when I say when I say that Chris, when I say Leon's pathetic, I mean like no one has had has tried harder to have a worse life than, than Leon Kennedy. Leon has like Whereas, no like, agency. I don't understand yeah. how he continues waking up in the morning. Like somebody has to yeah. be waking him up, right? Because he doesn't literally do anything with his life. Like yeah, he can't. He literally he's been kidnapped multiple times by shady <laughs> yeah. government agencies that just tell him what his life is. Uh Steve Burnside is pathetic in the sense that he's like he's like cringe. He's omega level, like, I have the power <laughs> of God and anime on my side. Like cringe yes. here. Yes. Like 100%. Yeah, he's. I'm gonna post this for Andrew because he doesn't know who this person is. Uh, <laughs> Steve Burnside is is unbelievable uh, as a character. Yes, uh, unbelievable. As in, how did they? Who even wrote this and put this in a AAA video game? You can hear his like his voice. I can alone hear his voice. Is like enough. Yeah. Is enough yeah. to, to explain his whole character. Just thinking of him, I can hear his voice. It's a very special voice. Cause it's not even the person's voice; it's the voice the the actor is making. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the, just a, yeah. Steve Burnside. I'm gonna light some people up right now. People are gonna be upset that I said this, but Steve Burnside uh, would really like Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> That's how I feel about Steve Burnside. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh he's that God. kind of. He's that kind of person. That's my that's my view. He's he's he has an organization thirteen coat. My God, that's that's on purpose. Like you can't. That is on purpose. Yeah, you you cannot accidentally give him that voice. Like it's not no, a, like no, oh, it's just didn't have anyone yeah. available for casting. Like that's a fucking decision. <laughs> that is God. on purpose. They... <laughs> He's so dumb. Yeah. Oh. And and most of it, and like what he does at the he's just like typical sort of kid kid stuff that adults are going to be like oh boy i guess steve is having a tantrum but it's not adults it's another survivor and incidentally well, another survivor who is claire redfield voiced by one of the best voice actors in the entire fr franchise i'm, I'm really I'm, i was really a fan uh they keep changing claire's re uh, voice actors for, for some reason so yeah. i i looked at the, yeah i think i the only time claire is voiced by the same person is in two games is the is the new voice actress yes yes i believe resident evil is wild we spent a lot of time talking about capcom games today uh mm -hmm. street fighter 6 also a capcom game as a background so. thing when you heard toaster say this is incredible is because while he was doing his very long rant about 
sad boy Leon and his the first person that the first woman that ever showed an interest in him uh, betraying him and dying and then being kidnapped by the CIA or whatever the fuck. I'm just like, oh, I was only yeah. one thing I'm thinking about right now. So I, I did that. Uh, corporate needs you to find the difference between the, this picture and this picture. They're the same picture meme. But it's Leon Kennedy from Resident Evil and Junpei from the Zero Escape series. No. <laughs> yes, the same character. And it's made worse, by the, the and it's made worse the, by the fact that I used Resident Evil 6 Leon and Zero Time Dilemma Junpei who look like the same character too. They, they do look like the same <laughs> character <laughs> but i'm like this is the same backstory you can't trick me <laughs> it's just that it's even funnier in zero escape because technically zero escape is the more unhinged and absurd setting than resident evil like part of the joke in resident evil is that it feels vaguely grounded and then every single fact is unhinged and then the monsters of course are insane and everything but like zero escape is instantly insane but somehow feels more insane by the fact that just like at the end of the day junpei is just like a dude <laughs> so like the way he's incorporated he's into both um, sequels are completely unreasonable <laughs> like in both well, cases you're like what the fuck it's so, like by the time the third one's like it's like like remember that it's a reveal that like that other lady was trained by the uh, trained to be a secret agent between games i did that too i stole her backstory between games i was also trained as a secret agent between the first game and the third one mm. I, hate, I hate the series i, hate that. I love the series it's the worst <laughs> what the fuck do i like kingdom hearts oh no oh no i don't think is that the takeaway I, from what i wa- from what i watched there's a certain uh I, I've only watched the half of Let's Play of Kingdom Hearts 2, I believe. Uh, and I could not follow the plot in the sense of, like, the details that most of the dialogue is preoccupied with. But, I like, mm-hmm. in terms of understanding the overarching stuff, it's easy. Yeah. Where Kingdom Hearts in... is not as hard to understand as it seems. Like, yeah. when people say it's, like, super convoluted, they're like... They're not wrong because it does have like a lot of proper nouns and the proper nouns are really specific. And it's like, <laughs> this character is actually this character's brother and their brother is actually their clone twin from a different dimension. Like, I'm making shit up, but that's kind of the way it is. It's very right, soap yeah. opera. Soap Every opera character is, is three characters. Yeah, exactly. But the thing about Kingdom Hearts that I will say in its defense is that uh, like the thematics and like what Kingdom Hearts is saying as a whole is not very complex. It's like you have like all of this like interconvoluted, annoying fluff stuff between like this character is actually this character's uh, special shadow dimension person, but actually their heartless was unlocked by a nobody and the nobody form is named this and it's actually this character the whole time. Like there's all that convoluted shit, but like ultimately all it boils down to is like, it would be good if we were friends, but being friends is hard because it's it's tough. Yeah, dark is bad, but what about light? Light is good. Mickey Mouse is here. Like, that's the extent <laughs> of Kingdom Hearts. Like, that is truly. And I'm saying this. People are going to come after me in the comments because Kingdom Hearts is very close to a lot of people's hearts. I'm glad you all have your fun. Uh, it's got some good music. I've played all these games except three because i don't give a shit anymore i can't do it but Damn. like i don't think these games are very good uh they're i don't think they're that great and 
I fully understand them. Like, it's not because I don't get them. I'm not sitting here going like Kingdom Hearts doesn't make any sense. It's just all nonsense. One out of ten bad game. Uh, I get them. I understand the lore. I played the mobile game. Like, I know I know more deep cut fucking Kingdom Hearts lore than most people do. They're just not very good. They're just not great games. Even I've beaten them all in fucking critical. I have all the achievements to prove it. Like, it's just it's they're just not that great they're kind of they're just they're fluff they're pulp fiction for teenagers who really like edgy disney looking characters like that's like the best way to describe it um but for whatever reason that uh that like degree of anime maximalism really appeals to a lot of uh endearingly cringe behavior and uh aesthetics especially on the internet um and so when i when i say kingdom hearts is cringe it is not it is not derogatory. It comes from a place of love, but also it is very cringe. Also get a new game. Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. Game? People who like Kingdom just... Hearts have literally only ever played Kingdom Hearts. It's the one game that they play. It's the one game. At this point, it's just oh, it's no, too the, much. Uh... It's too, I can't, I can't try to get invested in, an, in a JRPG franchise. That's all one big narrative. I, I, oh, God. I would be I would I would be interested in doing it if I if I had some sort of guarantee that it wouldn't get my channel fucking just completely demonetized and screwed over for months uh, just because those games are very long and they are full of licensed pop music. Um, So and they're all Square Enix. So all of the soundtracks for even the non pop music are like claimed and uh yeah, it, it's full of Disney actors, so I think even some of the voice acting performances are claimed. So it would literally just be two and a half years of weekly episodes on my channel that I could not do anything with. That would be not exactly what I'm interested in playing, and they would probably be difficult for me to do anything with. Yeah, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> Well, problem solved, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no Kingdom Hearts. This is a huge bummer. Keith can do it, want. though. You can do it, Keith. <clears throat> no. What about every he other can. RPG franchise I already started? <laughs> You'll never play those. In, you can't in play Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I'm still trying to very play. slowly get through all of Yakuza's 30 games. <laughs> You're close to the How end you? of Yakuza. You'll be fine. I'm not close enough. <laughs> I don't mean that as a. Like I don't mean games. that as a criticism of the game. I mean like that's just so many games still to left left to go, uh, and they're coming out as fast as I can cover them at this point. No, I've got uh, I've got Yakuza six, then seven and mm-hmm. eight, and then Lost Judgment, and then one, and then I have the uh, the like Sengoku era Japan remake that's now localized in English. And then we're also getting Yakuza Gaiden. So I've got like six games to look forward to already without. Yeah, but two of those also aren't out yet. So you have four. You have, let's see, Yakuza 6, Yakuza 7. But that, that, was, but that was a series where, so I, three where I did get uh, <laughs> ruined by copyright and that at least yeah. it was a spinoff. But uh, yeah, like I started I started recording. I did two hours of, of Yakuza Dead Souls. Then I edited those and uploaded them and they both got blocked. And I'm like, oh, well. So just in the middle of this franchise of completely YouTubeable games is this one game where you're like, oh, I wonder why 
that game doesn't get much coverage. It's like, uh, because every video of it pretty much across YouTube is taken down unless they do something fucky with, like, evade YouTube's copyright systems or something. Like, the thing about Yakuza Dead Souls, uh, it's not that the the soundtrack's copyright. It's not that they claim the pre-rendered cutscenes. They have block all videos claims for every conversation cutscene in the entire game. Yeah. Like the in-game yeah, shot, reverse shot, boring ass camera angle, press A to continue conversations. Those are blocked. <laughs> so if wild. you upload a Yakuza <laughs> video of Dead Souls, it gets blocked like eight times. You're like, oh my god, okay. Like, <laughs> like, if, like, I, like, because I was committed to... This is back when my YouTube channel, my essay channel was low viewership anyway. So I did, I, there wasn't like higher stakes of like, is this video worth putting out to all these people? Because only two, two, only 2,000 people are watching any of these videos anyway. Like, my essays used to have fewer video views than like the last several podcasts we did. <laughs> That's yeah. how poorly they were doing by comparison. They were doing better than a lot of Let's Plays and I wanted to have them all in one place because they could do well eventually together and you wanted them to be findable and not buried and all that but they weren't like they were getting a few thousand views total uh so then it's like yeah maybe maybe i'll make an essay that's like i couldn't sorry guys in my full franchise playthrough of yakuza i couldn't cover dead souls so i made a review of dead souls and here's a bunch of the only footage I can put up that doesn't get blocked of Dead Souls, which is exclusively combat gameplay, probably because <laughs> you can't show a single cutscene of the, the game where it gets Keith blocked. Is really good at the game, the or, in the, or in the or in the context of an essay, I can put the obnoxious my attempt at not not being obnoxious, but it probably is on some level uh, copyright evasion thing I do in my essays where i'm like okay i'm gonna take the frame and i'll slightly tilt it and then i'll put a scrolling background that moves very slowly just to like throw off youtube but hopefully not be actively infuriating to watch as a video which you don't uh, actually know if that works do you i don't know if it works in that i don't i didn't i mean it works in the sense of yes it does but if that is the detail that throws it off it feels like that's the kind of stuff that would mess with it it's somewhat based on the fact yeah. that like a lot of channels like uh Red Letter Media and so on, when they do the part where, like, we, this is the part where we show the trailer of the game, they'll often have, like, it's showing on, like, a shitty VHS CRT yeah, the filters. overlay. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it'll often yeah. be, like, there's an in-universe TV on the screen that mixed up with the background of the set that we're in, and that part is showing the video, and, like, that, like, makes it hard to detect on some level. No, I did not mm -hmm. take the effort to do an unedited version test. of the entire yeah. <laughs> yeah i didn't a b test the yeah, entire yeah. essay to see if it would get blocked without that filter and without that effect yeah, i mean yeah. yeah but it was just my attempt to be able to like i'm gonna like, I'm, I'm covering an anime for three hours i would like the video to stay up <laughs> so even if yeah. and, that, that, and that's the, that's what's so fucked about youtube is that like if you upload a video like that and it doesn't get blocked it very well might go up get a hundred thousand views then get blocked and like the bots, like like it's like the the fucking AI like looks at Time it again, and it is actually, yeah. and then and then it's like actually yeah, which is fucked up because when you upload something, you're very specifically assured, yeah, we're still running checks on this thing, and then you, there's a specific mark where there's a specific threshold that's crossed when the when the back end of YouTube tells you, yeah, we have checked your thing and we have decided it's not safe for advertisers or is safe for advertisers or so on, and so like that should be. 
seemingly a final decision, but it will just change his mind later anyway, both for copyright and yeah. for uh, age assessment, which is what happened. That's what happened to my. Yeah. That's what happened to my uh, annihilation video. Is that it got a hundred thousand views overnight when it finally was given a chance, like eight months after I uploaded it originally. It's like the the B stars video made it take off, but then it instantly got age gated for being pornographic. And then I then I appealed that, and they're like, nah. And so now it's just permanently age gated for being pornographic, and so that means it's algorithmically dead, and that there there goes any chance for that video to do better in the future. And I'm like, cool. It's not like I worked Which on Which you should anything. go watch because it's awesome. And yeah, it's a good video, and you will literally great. only ever watch it if you look it up yourself manually. You will like mm -hmm. it's not it's not going to be suggested to you. You gotta do the thing that YouTubers ne that people never do on YouTube, which is actually browse a profile and look at videos on it. And if you want to find that video, you, you say that, but and maybe it's just that. because I've already watched it. But the Annihilation video is like always in my recommended. And sure. I've only watched oh, really? it like twice. Yeah, oh, it just yeah, sits there all the time. <laughs> maybe it is because you watched it already. Yeah, so it, I think you know, I think it, it will expose it to people who opt into it. But yeah, that is part of the problem with the algorithm. It was very. It was just extremely obviously noticeable that it had a massive spike of in the in the analytics, yeah. and then the moment it got age gated, it it immediately was dead and has never recovered. Yeah. Like it very obviously, like that, that video too, could have four or five times the views potentially. Because it had a significantly more aggressive spike than any other video I've ever made in the history of being on YouTube. <laughs> like, it could have been even bigger than, than the Legoshi video. But they're like, nah, it's dead now. It's going to just be suggested to, like, niche gremlins or people that browse profiles, which <laughs> is functionally no one. Everyone in my life claims that they do that, and sure... But that's just not how people use YouTube. No one uses the subscription tab. No one browses profiles. People barely notice that they're people. People just spend their time complaining. Why is this in my suggestion? Why is it showing me this? I didn't subscribe to you. And then engaging more with the thing that they're complaining about, and then watching more of that. And then like that's just that's everyone. Everyone lets the YouTube tell them what to watch. And so if yeah. if, if the algorithm kills a video, that means that video is dead. <laughs> it's just going to be a few people like, yeah, yeah I watched yeah. that thing. It was nice, and no further exposure. I think a big thing, a big thing is, issue with the age gating is it also just makes it harder to watch like on TV and mobile mm -hmm. because it will pop up a little thing to like you have to actually manually confirm and people are more likely to just hit back and then watch a different video than like navigate two buttons on their TV remote and click mm -hmm. yes. And you have to be signed in. You have to have a yep. YouTube account or you literally can't watch it. The original reason I made a YouTube account was to get past age gating when I was like 16 uh yeah just the whole thing so that that point i was like fuck it and i i made furry art the thumbnail so i might as well have fun <laughs> with well. it i do have this very nice painting of a frame of animation of a frame of annihilation that is my fursona in it and it's very good and now it's the thumbnail because I'm, I'm not trying to impress anyone anymore that video is dead <laughs> the number of people who complained when i changed that thumbnail i'm like fuck off you didn't you don't this doesn't affect you <laughs> you're dead to me now they can't uh, show it to their friends and family. <laughs> what are my friends gonna think if they see a cartoon, uh, a cartoon animal person in, on my YouTube feed? They might think that I have interests and aren't fucking boring. <laughs> the worst thing. Nothing. Nothing communicates more clearly that people understand that furries are gay than the obvious queer panic tied to anyone being afraid of being associated with furry animals. 
like the way that people freak out like hmm. what are people going to think about me if they see an anthro character near me i'm like okay so <laughs> you're just homophobic yeah. is what you mean like this is the exact same avenue of fear of like oh no but i'm not gay but i'm not gay i'm not gay you can do whatever they want like in the privacy of their bedrooms but i'm not gay like it's that kind of weird self-denial like panic mm-hmm. that of anyone being say like 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 akin to like oh oh no what if someone saw rupaul in my suggestions <laughs> like i might melt and die in the spot because someone might question my sexuality like that's that's literally the moment it's it's stupid it's possible you got you you might get stuck in like a, a one flew over the cuckoo's nest situation where everyone now believes you're gay even though you're like i promise you i can't i can't even look at guys without dying and everybody's like nope that's it. it's over for you <laughs> Meanwhile, Andrew's so not gay, he shared gay porn and didn't register that it was that that's what it was. <laughs> I, I am my bad, man. That was, inc- I, I am that was incredible. One piece. I'm so committed to One Piece, I don't even see sexuality in One Piece anymore. That was one I of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like I, I don't, it's not even like I'm not even aggressively trying to be like, I'll never let you let this down. I need to shame you for this. I'm just like, it's just the funniest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> I, one, just, I still don't even understand. Like every time I, I still do it, I check like I, I'll look at yeah. a picture, I'll press like because I'll still like every picture, but I'll only retweet stuff that is like, okay, I got to make sure it's not porn essentially. Yeah. And that now that's what I do. So I'll like a picture and then I'll sit there for a second and look, zoom in on stuff. Okay, <laughs> these dicks look fine. Nothing weird here. Okay, retweet. Like I get hesitant that I don't want to like retweet porn again. For background yeah. for this, what happened is I conf- during an Overwatch stream, I confronted. Uh, Andrew over his Twitter likes because Twitter was doing that shit where they share your likes onto other people's feeds and then say this person liked it blame them if it, if you don't like it on being on your feed which is, is Twitter sucks for your that. politician yeah. liked porn and you're like Twitter, oh. Twitter's <laughs> awful for that and even worse for being like here's a spread open asshole here's who follows this person no one even interact no one even liked it but we're just gonna we're just gonna show you this porn and blame it on people <laughs> like it's Twitter's gotten to the point where John, I tell and people this is what John yeah i tell people like hey you don't they'll be like what's your twitter and i'm like it's this you probably shouldn't follow me it's okay i will not be hurt if you do not follow me (laughs) yeah mine i I added an 18 plus warning to my account even though i don't retweet or like any porn just because artists that i just gave up like there'd be there would be a thing where it'd be like i was only following i was only following safe for work artists for the longest time and Half of them would just start drawing porn, which I'm fine with, mm-hmm. but I'm like, is this fucking yeah. Twitter going to blame this on me now? Like, I didn't, I can't <laughs> retroactively keep an eye on all of the hundreds of artists I follow to see if they decide to draw a dick one day because they're an adult and it's weird that we have to, like, yeah. maintain. Like, every single one of us is the fucking little Dutch boy with their finger in the dam that has to single-handedly feel like they're holding back all of porn from the stupid children that we're protecting, apparently. And, like... Mm-hmm. That's the whole internet. It's that's not our fault that it's organized this way. It's not our fault what? that Twitter is inca- in, incapable of recognizing adult content and does not care to filter showing it to uh, to minors or not. That's literally Twitter. That's their fault. They made the the, site. the alternative. The alternative is that you have to rely on like parents have to rely on themselves to be responsible for their children's actions. Yeah, and heaven forbid. I don't want that. Heaven but al- forbid. But also, I'm like, not, it's but also not my like fault. All, my kids go on the internet. All ability to do this responsibly went right off the the just right off a cliff the moment fucking Twitter decided that you don't have control over what you share. Yeah, yeah. I think the other yeah. thing too is like. This is actually something I, I've been sitting on, I've been thinking about for a long time, but it's just like, oh, 
there's there's a really interesting switch from the past where this this is going to be very possibly controversial to say but like age gates don't work no <laughs> like being like well, i don't are think you i don't 18? think it's controversial I... no but what i'm about to say i'm sure people will will disingenuously frame but like when i was 15 on the internet like i looked at porn that's not like it's not like a good thing <laughs> that i did that but i no. did and we, like we understand no we we as a society are... collectively universally understand that minors do pursue yes. porn Yes, exactly. Like, and this like, was a common saying, joke throughout all of like the eighties and nineties all the time. And it's literally like the premise sure. of entire scenes of like yes. coming of age shows and so on. Like Sandlot has extended sequences about a bunch of minors lusting after an adult uh an adult li- lifeguard and stuff. Like this is a constant thing yeah. because minors have themselves awakening sexuality. It's just we're supposed to just not interact about it is the thing. Yes. The yes. idea that you're so, gonna keep I, porn from minors is comically absurd. Yes. But what I'm saying, there what is, I'm what I'm about yeah. to say though, is that like in the past, we used to be very understanding of this fact and like under uh understand that it is not our responsibility to prevent people from from like not even engaging with us, but like noticing us, right? Like and and I'm not saying like like minors shouldn't be engaging in adult spaces that they shouldn't be allowed on no. Twitter period minors should not be on social media I'm sorry <laughs> yeah I'm saying this as yeah, someone absolutely. who was addicted yeah, to social I media as a 15 year so old brave. you can't and, and I don't so want brave. I don't want fucking minors on blue sky I'm gonna report every minor I see I'm, I'm gonna mass report minors on blue sky and I'm gonna make up <laughs> things that they did wrong to get them <laughs> off the platform uh, I don't care you shouldn't be there um but what I, I what I'm saying you. is like in the past, if some fucking 13 year old weirdo followed, like if I was 13 and I followed a porn artist, that porn artist would not ever get in trouble for like me being like, I'm 13, completely separate from them as a content creator on the internet, right? Like the porn artist is just doing their thing and they don't even know I exist. Like teenagers are let loose on the internet and somehow it's other people's fault. Yes. And now most people don't know who follows them, right? It's the, yes, exactly. When you you hear about that, that's because you're watching a drama channel about someone who made a mistake. Yeah. That's that's like like, the time you hear that. But the thing is, is that there has been a slow shift over the years now of like basically people holding creators responsible for the people that follow them when that isn't actually something a creator can control. Keith has no agency over who follows his account other than setting his entire account private or manually checking and verifying every single new follower notification and manually verifying who they are and blocking them. And yes, and exactly as Colonel just said, like that's impossible to do in good faith because people can lie about their age. So it's like... most people don't interact with their followers. I don't interact with my followers very much. I, hi, I see all of you. I leave comments on YouTube sometimes, but like people who follow me on no. Blue Sky, there I have more followers than people I fucking know in reality. Like I just, I have more Twitter followers than people I talk to on a on a daily basis. I can't That's... be held accountable for who the fuck follows me. So it's like it's kind of weird that we have we have moved to this this sort of hyper vigilant perspective of like oh no i'm gonna get in trouble because twitter like twitter showed all of my followers what porn i pressed like on and it's like 
fucking this platform is designed to just kill people like it's designed to yeah. be the worst possible fucking it's crazy yep. that the social media platform that wants you to be on it all the time is like snitching on you quote unquote as it like publicly shaming you and like putting you in these dangerous situations and it's like i don't want you to see the like margot robbie feet pics i just pressed <laughs> like on like go away <laughs> that's not for you andrew i'm sorry those were for word like i'm it's sorry not, i retweeted it's not, it it's fine. you know that's all i'm saying and I'm, I'm i'm joking here but like my my point is it's just there is a weird shift at some point where it went from oh, weird people follow me, I had no idea, to sweating over every single new follow we get and having to put, like, 18 yes. plus, do not interact all over our feeds because for whatever reason, the switch just flipped and now all of a sudden we're responsible for every single person that finds our account on a public platform and follows it. It's like, I nah, think, dude, this is my fucking I, I, Twitter. I, I, Go honestly, away. I honestly think it's just also homophobia, though. I don't think straight pe- I don't think straight people have to deal with this nearly as much. This is like hyper vigilance of how you're presented and, and like because we're called groomers if we in any way yeah. exist in approximation with anyone younger than us ever. Of course. Even though but it's literally I, I like being passively anywhere, followed by you know? anonymous people we don't know. Like that's just I, an, that's just an, it's an overall like an att- attack on people. Akin to yeah. like that stupid thing where like the the fucking like Fox News is being like, Wow, look at these furries being sexual in front of minors and I'm like that's a furry just at a restaurant and the restaurant yeah. spanks people that the restaurant <laughs> yeah, was made course. by straight people. But it's now now it's and, a problem that that gay people did somehow. Yeah. Like it's everything I mean, gets recontextualized be. as being it, every yeah, everything yeah. becomes that's a narrative going of how to, to attack us. War. People will just I, try to attack us for anything. Yeah. I think, though, I, the, the, the one little thing I'll say here is just like. This is why I'm such a hardliner on like there should not be private accounts. If you have a private account, you should not be able to interact with things. Because it also makes it hard. It's creating yeah. an environment where people can't do what you need, what we all of a sudden all need to do. It's creating an environment where people have these asynchronous interactions that are extremely slanted and negative. If you're going to be fucking if you're going to be horny on main on Twitter, fucking do it. Fucking do it. You know, whatever. Don't fucking quote retweet someone on a private account and start stir up a bunch of drama when people the person you're tweeting about doesn't even know you exist. Like, what the fuck? It's so yeah. weird. Yeah. And the that's number of why people Twitter that were a- tweeting angrily <laughs> at me over my Ad Astra essay who themselves had NSFW and DNI on it in their bios. And I'm like, you're not supposed to know what Ad Astra is. <laughs> why do you have takes yeah. about Ad Astra? <laughs> Ad Astra is an adult game. You should not be engaging with somebody talking about Ad Astra. You shouldn't know enough about it to have takes about Ad Astra. Go away. Follow your own fucking yeah. rules. Yeah, exactly. And it's just weird that it is just all of a sudden on the followees responsibility. It's like their responsibility to account for whoever the fuck yeah. did this. Like whoever the fuck is following them. When like we can't even check. <laughs> Because like eighty percent of my followers are fucking private accounts with indescribable names. Like yeah. I don't, I don't get it. But every single person that hunts for people like this is functionally homophobic. That's just what they are. Like that they are enforcing yeah, I mean, homophobia because they're what they're doing is they're taking the conservative line that these kinds of people are dangerous and need to be controlled or stopped from what they're doing, and they're repeating it. They're like they're they're enforcing that yep. vigilance on random people 
on behalf of conservatives. That's what they're doing functionally. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 yeah, an awful I, thing to do. Like I fucking I grew up on an endless fucking deluge of 80s movies that taught me as a minor to be really horny about and leer women. And it wasn't even just that they were men like movies about like being like aggressively horny about women. There were movies about minors being horny about women. Like that mm-hmm. was the most normal fucking movie ever. And we can get into a whole discourse about like the, how women are being treated in those movies. But the idea that out of nowhere, like any sort of like queer affection or any sort of queer explicitness is some kind of weird, crazy agenda when the straights were doing that the entire time is insane. Like that, that dichotomy is bizarre to watch of just how aggressively in your face, down your throat straightness is. And then the, the gays are just like doing, just having a Twitter account and they're the bad guys. Yeah. It's just, it's just nuts. It's like, it's so annoying. And that's why, that's why I'm just like, you know what? My my shit is just my shit. I'm not gonna give a fuck about this. If 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 you look at my profile on Twitter and you're scandalized by the art that I'm liking, this is your free my free piece of advice for you. Don't follow me. I won't be hurt. It's okay. It's okay. You cannot I, follow I me. Promise you can do anything you, else. With we your don't time. know you exist. <laughs> yeah, you. I, mean, I have no idea who you are. You could be the coolest person ever. You could literally uh, be a dying orphan. And uh, here's my promise to you. I don't give a shit about you. It's okay. It's okay. You don't need to follow me. It's all right. It's all right. That's the lesson I, I for the day wonder, is don't follow people on Twitter who, who you don't like I, their content. I wonder of. if there's, there's also another issue on that, which is that the, all of these services, all the things we're complaining about aren't in our control. We don't yeah. own them. We don't have access to them, and yeah. we shouldn't. They, they should be completely owned by another company. But in a lo- like over the years, accountability is starting reasonably to get a lot higher for stuff like YouTube's yeah. weird uh, the way that YouTube interacts with content now, like age gating and having the weird like child safety is because recognizably like toaster said age gating doesn't work you can't just say yeah. hey please tell me you're not 13 years old or you're when you're underage or whatever because you won't but that doesn't mean that the videos don't get seen by children which is still a concern if a parent expects that youtube has rules in place to prevent their child from getting into it and youtube can't guarantee that then they should not have the rules in the first place. There's no point in asking yeah. for an age if you can't actually enforce that, right? You're only and so if that needs to be enforced, then it needs to now it needs to fall into the content creators or yes, the alternative. Exactly. YouTube YouTube gets to decree no more fucking non-family friendly content. It's now television again, motherfuckers. Follow the FCC rules. Like yeah. uh or uh or FTC, sorry, whatever whatever the broadcasting one is. FCC, uh, FCC yeah. FCC? FCC. So yeah, like FCC that's won't the, that's let the me problem. Be. And yeah, and like that that <laughs> like that is that is no, it, it's funny. It's because that like that kind of attitude both is correct and incorrect because you will get yeah. like, yeah, it sucks to have someone tell you what you're allowed to say publicly on the open. But at the same time, otherwise you are accountable for what you say. And uh, if a yes. company doesn't yeah. like that, they can and they should absolutely be able to just eject you from the world. Just like, nope, you're gone. You cannot be on this platform anymore. Goodbye. Yes. We have rules. Yep. But the rules may not follow what works for you. The rules may make you feel like it is exclusionary. And that's 
totally okay because guess what there's other places to go and like yeah a lot of a lot of the past 10 years has been people saying but i don't want to go somewhere else i want one place and this yeah. is what you I get. I think the entire internet's just trying to outcome. race to figure out how to monetize, but pretend they're not monetizing children because yes. they're the people with the most free yeah. time to be on the internet. But they're also, depending on their age, illegal to be in, to encounter Advertise most forms to. of content. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah. teenagers aren't allowed you know, to be around adult content, and then my uh, younger, whatever the fuck age group, literally cannot have targeted ads at them at all. Like you can't. You can't yeah. pay attention to who they are. You can't. You cannot Transformers them. <laughs> you cannot Reagan era go after them and be like, "I've figured out the, with, with all this code how to exactly get into their brain and get them to trick their parents into buying V bucks." Uh, but those are the people that are in many cases the most lucrative people to go after, even though they yes. can't. And so the fucking every single social platform just keeps getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar over and over and over again because that's yeah. their entire that's their entire actual goal and they're supposed to pretend it's not. Yeah. yeah. No, if completely. You, if you I want, mean, and that that's just like save... a thing that yeah. oh, sorry, Fight, fight, it. fight. No, I was I was just going to say that's like a thing that that all platforms are dealing with is like how do you how do you segregate these things and how do you make things lucrative and how do we maximize our lucrativity and, and stuff like that? And it's just like the answer is the platforms are just shirking responsibility. <laughs> and it's like it's exactly yeah. what Andrew said of like someone needs to be held accountable. And like we can't ha we can't hold YouTube accountable that we can't even fucking email them. You email them and you get a message from a fucking <laughs> robot that says, like, have you read our FAQ? Here's how to change your username. And it's like. That's not even what I asked. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? So the parents and stuff will take it out on the content creators and the platform can be like, well, the content creators didn't do a good enough job. And then, you know, the teenagers on the Internet who discourse this sort of thing are like, well, the content creators should have done a better job of of yeah. figuring out who was following them. And it, it's like, y'all, it's it's a fucking platform. It's nice to have people who who follow me, but I make content for a specific group of people. Don't follow me if you're not in that group of people. Yeah, I I've started like my main thing now, especially with the I guess we could say like the collapse of Twitter or the yeah, I don't know, whatever that is, the being able to like go somewhere else. I now have a specific like the reason I stayed on Twitter was for art specifically. I had no cares about anything else on Twitter because literally it's just a vial of shit and art on there is lucrative because it is obviously how you make the most money. It's the big platform. And so everyone's on it. Everyone makes art for it. That's how you get your money. And once that falls apart, it's like the only leftover art sites you can go to aren't very good. You've got, you know, yeah. like a handful of them that are mostly archaic from like 10 years ago that are somehow puttering along. And you, they're still they're, they're not, all kind of dying on their own in their own ways. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are mostly dead, but still just like Twitter's going to be just kind of just hanging on life support. Someone for some reason keeps funding it, but it's not really there anymore. And uh, and so what's nice is that, uh, especially with like the, the way that the Federation or Federation system works and stuff like that, is that Frederator, Frederator, <laughs> the uh, Federation. But the yeah, all of the Federation system stuff is nice because now I have a specific account that I go to for a place for art. I have a place I can go to for socializing. I have a place I can like yep. having multiple different locations to interact is great because I think the beginning of social media was really about a very importance on followers, which I think is only important should you be someone who needs that. But it's yeah, not someone good for who the creates average person. Content. 
yeah, yeah the an average content creator or no, sorry the average consumer should be going to multiple locations to find the things that they want they should not be yes. sitting on the one big platform they should say i want to look at art today here's where i go to look at my art similar yeah. to how like you don't go to you don't go to the library and read one book there are multiple books for various different <laughs> things and like so i mean you don't go to the library the to get way. your groceries right like that it's not too. also yeah 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 it's, as a heads up for when twitter becomes a bank apparently don't also put money into the place that you talk about how you hate your job and wish you were dead like that's yeah. not the ideal position to do that it's I, a lot of uh, and, and it, this isn't young people's fault specifically because they grew up in this homogenized environment yes like yeah we, exactly we we very much instilled the idea of laziness in let's all just hang out in one giant room and shout over each other and it sucks ass and like i'll be honest with you i just want a place that i can go to quietly enjoy art i don't want discourse yeah. in my art I don't want to have to worry that I liked art and then someone's going to turn around and slap me in the face and be like, our social group doesn't <laughs> like the fact that you enjoy big dicks on One Piece characters. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I guess I should have just, I don't know, told Twitter to like it in private or I should have bookmarked <laughs> it so that way it wouldn't notify you. Like, I'm not going to skirt Bookmarks? my way around. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's Bookmarks actually a really good point i hate nonsense feature they created a yeah. feature to bookmark tweets so that it didn't notify people what you were liking but functionally bookmarks and likes are the same thing yeah they are just yes, but they are the wait, same they thing creator they come towards a like the creator no. knows that you bookmarked it too which is oh. the worst part it's the not even like a bookmarks secret are for listed them. publicly <laughs> like, yeah yeah one of the most cursed yeah, yeah. things on the entire website is that private quote tweets and bookmarks are both listed like the yeah. moment if i'm if i have a take yeah. of some kind and i see bookmarks pop up on it i immediately want to delete it i'm like what the fuck why That's are you why are you bookmarking are for, it Keith. the Come moment on. the moment you fucking bookmark this i'm thinking like you're you're you want you're like using this against me later aren't you that's your goal like you want I you're putting this fucking take on a cork board so you can attack me with it <laughs> The thing with bookmarks, though, is that the way people use them most often is people who want to agree with you but don't want that agreement to be public on their account. <laughs> That's Which what is nonsensical because it's not even what is, it accomplishes. Yeah, like people, well, yeah, people I, use that's, that's bookmarks. Yeah. People use bookmarks because you can't go to someone's page and then click their bookmarks tab. There isn't a bookmarks tab. So I they want to they like things. the porn you post and then they bookmark it. But they're like, oh no, like this is this is two serial mascots. That's I'm gonna get discoursed yeah. for for sexualizing the serial mascots. I can't put that in my likes, but I can bookmark it, and then you bookmark it. <laughs> that's what that's for. That's how people use them. But the crazy thing is you could do that just by making it so that the fucking likes tab was private. Like, I don't know why people like yeah. just don't share people's likes don't do it twitter why are you doing this it just encourages that flywheel of like upsetting people and as we're learning yeah. which is really interesting um as we're learning this will be the death of twitter like <laughs> twitter is dying it is hemorrhaging users blue sky yeah. is doing amazing mastodon yeah. has more signups than anything else uh co-host or than ever before i mean co-host and pillow fort are doing really great like we have all of these new fractured sites which sounds bad but it's actually fucking amazing it's you, so because it's because the only upside of twitter nice is that it's space. where a lot of people are that i want to interact with but like 
like twi- they aggressively oh, well. made Twitter a Twitter account unfun to use and have. Yeah. Like you feel the eyes of everyone on you all the time. So you police yourself constantly. Every thought you yeah. have, you're like, is this worth putting out there? Are people going to, is this going to be like, like I, I deleted a tweet yesterday because it was just like a, just a funny little observation. And, and then people like, I'm people are going to immediately try to like, I immediately saw that people were trying to find the angle. Like people were trying to find how to get offended by this and how to like reinterpret it in bad faith to not be what I meant and get mad at the idea that they made up in their head about what I meant. And it's like, I, I, this, and like, and of course, like, yeah, we, everything we talked about today, about it, like de- interacting with adult content or art and all these ways where every form of interaction you can do on Twitter is broadcasted to everyone whether you want it to or not, like you don't get a choice in whether it's broadcasted, and then that thing becomes another way of policing you. Of like, and so that makes you not want to use half the features on Twitter, which yeah pushes yep. people more and more. Like once upon a time, likes were a way to interact with something in a way where you could find it later without necessarily showing it to everybody on your on the timeline. Back when it was a chronological retweeted timeline feed, like Tumblr and whatnot, or how Blue Sky currently is. But then likes became a public thing that would broadcast it every once. And now you bookmark things. And there's like a series of like, we keep retreating away from the public because there's certain interactions you just want, like on a basic logistical level, you want to be able to have. But you're like afraid that every interaction and thought you have might like have consequences, like essentially. And it's it's and it's frustrating because this all came from and the thing is a is place that ninety five percent of these things though the the thing with these things is that none of this stuff should even reasonably have caught it's not like you're doing something secretive and evil I'll I'll be like I'll see someone be like man I think I liked Barbie more than Oppenheimer and then I go to like it and I'm like mm, can't have the Oppenheads in my fucking DMs and yeah. then I like don't like it you know well, it's, like, like, it's gonna be like, like yeah it's Oppenhead. gonna be like Toaster liked this. Let's show this to everybody. And then it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Toaster, Toaster's making a stance about Barbie over Oppenheimer. And it's like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to have this conversation today. I don't have the mental energy for it. This is not this is not what I'm going to do. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's one thing. It's one thing to call people out for like liking really terrible content. You know, like a politician likes, you know, a fucking horny picture that a 16 year old posts like that's kind of sus. It's good to be able to call that shit out. But it's just crazy that we've we've created an environment now where, you know, I, I go to like a tweet that's like, you know, like a meme about the fucking Baldur's Gate three bear. And then all of a sudden I'm like, can I interact with this or is it going to make my day bad? I don't know if I can. I guess I'm not going to interact with it. I sign into Twitter now like once every once in a while just to wait for a commission to come in. The second I get my last commission, I have a vetiver commission coming in. I'm really excited about it. The moment that I get it, Twitter is fucking, I'm deleting it for good. I'm done. (laughs) I'm on other platforms. I'm so ready for it to be gone because every single time I log into this fucking site, it just inflicts psychic damage on me. It just inflicts psychic damage on me. Just even using it sucks. I, I like to think, again, I like to think of it like the exodus that we experience between like MySpace to Facebook and Facebook to Twitter or to actually Facebook yeah. had a had a weird exodus point similar to Twitter is now where everyone broke off from Facebook and kind of went to or from different MySpace, places. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. MySpace broke off and people just either went to like Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, like there were a handful of Tumblr, places Tumblr. And that's like where some of the ones, you know, today existed was because the fracture of MySpace has 
homogeny over social media. And then yeah. just, boom, we all just ran somewhere else. We all eventually picked one of the five to turn into the next great. And then now Twitter is dying now. And now one of the next, <laughs> like, we're going to do the thing again. Um, and it, it's fine. But I think the importance is that I, for one, am going to take this lesson very sternly and say, like, I'm done. I am absolutely done yeah. with going onto the one big platform. I'm happy and content with just not knowing half of the people on this planet. It's it's kind yeah. of okay actually. And I don't need I also, to and I don't need to look into the screaming void anymore. I I, un, yeah, I learned like, my look, lesson I, <laughs> trying yeah. to participate in the hell void. I, I think I, yeah, I think the thing is for me especially is that uh I I have learned to to be more vigilant of the way actions take place in my world i need to be more yeah. aware of things i am aware that is like the way that i live my life is very different from others but also other people are kind of going through like similar shit and maybe we should just all agree this is a bad thing and that kind of stuff you can still do without being constantly in a spotlight while doing it i don't need to yeah. I don't you know like yeah again I don't I don't need to go onto a website and think like I'm gonna write about how Barbie's great and someone's gonna come at me with like did you know that there is an extinction event happening right now it's like look man I just want to talk about Barbie I didn't want to yeah, like I just I didn't, wanted I didn't to read. say that I liked the funny movie yeah like. I'm sorry I didn't check the trending tab and see that it was hashtag apocalypse day Fuck. <laughs> like, you know like I'm yeah. sorry man maybe next Completely. time I'll figure it out but like, I, uh, that's the thing is like I <laughs> I I this that. is actually reminding me of a, an event, and one of the reasons why I like kind of receded from the internet for as long as I did was I used to moderate a relatively large social media platform, we'll call it that, and uh, there was so much shit going on, uh, and I was doing coverage on uh, on a very large video game event, so I was posting a lot of video game news. And like randomly in the middle of the day, because I'm a public figure, I was a public figure on this platform. I receive a DM straight to my inbox from a, it was like an open letter signed by a bunch of people. And they were like, your silence on the events happening in India right now is deafening. And I literally was like, <laughs> what? What you woke you? up I'm to my E3. exact fear that I've repeated <laughs> over and over again. I keep talking about it. Like one day I'm going to wake up. I'm going to, I'm like... Like, like as if I had fired something off the night before, then woken up the next morning and just been like, open Twitter, just like, your silence is deafening. I'm like, what the fuck happened? What is it? What, yeah, like, how, I don't what know. did happen and how is it somehow my fault or problem? Like, what the fuck we, is social we media? Need to, I mean, it's one thing if I were this to This is like, the new stress dream people really... have instead of the idea of, wake, of like being naked in class for a test they didn't study for. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> It's like it's one thing to get on someone for being insensitive about something that they are aware of. And, you know, obviously there's like microaggressions in the world that we need to like consciously, you know, work around and correct our behavior for. But being like you're not online 24 seven. You don't know what happened in this random location. Um, this is like a huge social event that you should be aware of. And it's like, bro, Google knows that all I care about is video games. So it's not going to tell me about the conflict in your likes region out there that i never interact with and in a language that i don't speak like i'm sorry that i had no idea that something bad was happening uh and then the thing is though is that when i was moderating and and, and working on this platform like this became an issue like the rest of the mod team had to discuss it we had to sit there and be like do we need to put out a statement about this and like 
do we need to take a stance? I guess we do because people are upset that we didn't. And it's like that is just like the most unhealthy way to interact with an audience. <laughs> I don't understand why we did that to ourselves. And that's why I ended up like quitting, well, you know, doing that because I was just like, I can't be public facing in this way because like, yeah. I, I can't know yeah. everything. And I'm trying was, to cover this video, games. video game community. <laughs> and yeah. yeah and, I'm, like, and again, now you extend that out to the world, right? Like that is what Twitter felt like is that you would show yes. up and people would like your timeline would get filled with people reacting to certain events. And it's like, I'll be honest with you, man. I follow you because you draw really good boobs. I do not care about your personal stance on take on this <laughs> thing. And I kind of wish I could just get a feed and not in like a separate the artist from the art type of way, but just like, that's not what I wanted to follow your feed for at all either. I just <laughs> yeah. wanted a stream. I, I just want an RSS feed of fucking art that I can look at. That is all I'm asking for. You can have opinions. I don't want to silence you. I want you to <laughs> yeah. put your opinions on a, an opinion app that we all get to bark at opinions about. <laughs> and I want to have an app yeah. called art app and you put your fucking art on it. And like, that's yeah. the problem that we have when we like are so intertwined with every single thing into one area like if we have to talk about video games next to the people who are crying about genocide we look a little insensitive we're just sitting here like man i can't believe the graphics of this game didn't hold up and some guy's like i yeah. wish my wife didn't get melted and i'm like well i get i feel <laughs> yeah. kind of bad i feel bad about that guy's wife getting melted yeah. but i also feel bad about the graphics i don't should i post about the graphics like yeah is it gonna be this insensitive is, this is one of those things too is it's like uh, one of the reasons why i've been enjoying blue sky so much is that there's this very big culture against just like constantly reposting negativity and people are being pretty serious about it which is great yeah but like the thing that bothers me about things like you know these like hyper vigilant posts about like you need to worry about interacting with x y and z because of all of their flaws and stuff normal or like why here's my big 27 tweet thread about a horrible genocide that you didn't realize was happening until just now it's like it is very important to get the word out but a lot of the negativity we interact with on a daily basis especially on social media are things that most of these users already agree with by default yeah you're <laughs> so, not changing anyone's mind and you're also not actually you're almost never actually warning people about an insidious problem that was actually in their life so you're just yes. signal boosting and directing attention to a bad thing that nobody was interacting with to begin with yes so it's like people will be like here's my big tweet thread about genocide if you don't like this then that means you endorse genocide and it's like i i think i would hope that you all understand that i think genocide is bad and that I don't need to read this 29, you know, tweet thread you, you that is now... in a couple context clues over the years. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> algorithmically, be, it, this thing is algorithmically now being fed to me because everyone is panic liking every single tweet in this 29 tweet thread about some genocide that just makes sense that people wouldn't want to agree with like it's like yeah a lot of children are be are being melted uh, into necklaces for rich people take a stance on it and it's like great now get now your, i'm going to spend my day i'm going to spend child my necklace day. <laughs> exactly i'm going to get sad about blood diamonds now a thing i already categorically took a stance against by existing and not buying blood diamonds but i guess this is just my day now 
where I have to virtue signal to everyone that I don't care about blood diamonds. Blue Sky, Blue Sky has proved to be one of the most well-named websites because yes. it's named at, I presume that it's it's named essentially after the idea of like the skies the the clouds parting and the blue sky reveal, being revealed and so on and it's inherently just like the shelter for recovering twitter users and its name the is overwhelming plain the, <laughs> that's not the reason but it is that is a good way to think of it that is what it actually feels, is that's what it, that's the entirety of what you it are a fool it's the entirety of what it feels like, and that's why yes. like it's it's extremely noticeable that the overwhelming sensation, especially in like furry blue sky, is just this overwhelming feeling of like a sigh oh, of relief. Now. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> just breathing out and just like, oh fuck. <laughs> We're back to 2006 Tumblr. We did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like one of the things so the reason why Blue Sky is called Blue Sky is because it was built to be a platform that they could re like Twitter has been needing a platform rewrite for a really long time. It had been proposed many, many times, but you just like, it's really hard to just rebuild a website into a new protocol. So they made blue sky, which would be the thing. The Twitter bird flies in like, that's like the idea behind it is it's like the thing behind Twitter. There you go. It's new Twitter. It's the blue sky that the, the birds fly through. That's where all the tweets are. <laughs> oh, yeah. If Twitter's um, so good. Why isn't there a Twitter too? It literally is. And yeah. then it eventually spun off into its own thing and then became its own company. And now we have Blue Sky, which is just better Twitter and Mastodon, which is just better Twitter and all of these other Fediverse things that are just better Twitter because people actually stopped and went, Wait, maybe the big platform that doesn't work and is built like shit shouldn't be the only thing we use. It's very funny that the idea of a better than Twitter site is just a super crunchy, half-functioning thing with like three features. <laughs> yeah, that's what's great about it, though. That's actually another thing I have to say is that I actually want websites to stop adding more features. Yeah, like after they like, add an NSFW tag. Yes, of course. Yeah, you, you need oh. a you need a manual tag for NSFW on stuff like that on, on yeah. Blue Sky especially. This, this but... stupid fucking website has. Wait, what? I didn't Blue... even notice that it doesn't have an NS. Uh, like Blue you can't Sky, tag no. Yourself. Yeah, like Blue Sky you was, can't was manually somewhat. Tag it. It, Blue Sky was somewhat <laughs> infamous for when you when you sign up. There's like these sliders of like, do you want to show, warn, or completely hide slash basically shadow ban like pornography or hate speech or all these other like sensitive sub subjects. But you can't flag any post as any of those. <laughs> so yeah. like, like people are it's like all algorithmic. You just have to hope the AI will retroactively notice that a a picture that's entirely your dick is NSFW. And uh, I, I tested the waters a little bit with this, not with my dick, but I, I tested the waters <laughs> by posting a picture and saying NSFW and ha hashtag NSFW in the description, and it still showed up for people that have NSFW set to warn. So I'm like, all right, so this website just doesn't work. Like, whatever yeah. level of AI it has literally doesn't know to hide things that are literally self-described as NSFW. It's because it's reading... It's because it's reading the actual image, and yeah. this is where it gets complicated. And it's too dumb to look at any because... context at all. Yeah, we found out, I say we, but Blue Sky users found out very quickly that um, Blue Sky is really, really good at figuring out like what is a penis and what is a hot dog, but it's really, really <laughs> bad at finding out 
what is a dragon penis and what is a hot dog. <laughs> so all of a sudden, every single person uh, who was on Blue Sky before the first furry migration like two weeks ago, suddenly the what's hot and classic like popular feeds were just all furry porn because the AI algorithm could detect real life porn and keep real life porn and drawn pictures of like anime girls out of the the feeds but it couldn't tell what was dragon dong and what wasn't so was very all of a sudden it was all furry porn for weeks and it in some ways <laughs> still is so a lot of blue blue sky right now by volume is like 80 percent furries it's gained like 200,000 users in That's the past good. <laughs> yeah it's amazing uh, Blue Sky it, was not ready for the, the modern reality of the fact that uh, furries are an incredibly connected and signal boosted and like very active community. Engaged so when you make an invite yeah. only system for signing up for a website, it'll immediately go to the furries who will especially immediately send it up to the artists that they like if they don't have a, a mutual they want to invite to. And then all of those artists are all interconnected with each other. And so immediately every... Like, like the the day that X happened, I was like, okay, I'll redeem the invite that Illusory already sent me. Every single furry artist I was following, I, I was sitting there trying to find them on Blue Sky, and they had all made their account like that hour, <laughs> like instantly yep. a yep. flip switch the moment X happened, and every single high profile furry artist was instantly on Blue Sky and posting their art. And that yeah. quickly became a Blue Sky problem or an amazing boon. I don't know. But there's this there's this yeah. message from like was it Will this guy called Will Turner? Is that this is insane. There are at least five furry porn images on what's hot right now. Have you lost control of this platform? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Yes, they have. It's time, to cede, it's time to just cede control and just embrace that this is the identity of Blue Sky now. It'll never recover. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's interesting, though, too, because cause Blue Sky, because it's an invite-oriented platform... I low-key think it should never, you should never be able to just sign up for an account. You should ha need a code. You need to know someone. It might be easier to get them once you get accounts, uh, but I think that it should always be invite forever because what we're seeing is that putting a toe-high barrier to account registration on Blue, high, uh, Blue Sky is preventing the kind of shitty behavior that plagued Twitter where people would like sock puppet accounts and segment their accounts and like do these things of like having a private account that you retweet drama on you can't do that because invites only go out once every two weeks and you only get one of them so it's like if you waste an invite on making a private account for yourself people look at you like you're you yeah. wasted something because that could have gone to like an artist that could have gone to like a musician or a it, content creator or your friend. It could have gone to someone who would just engage with you. So it's like, it's such a better platform it led for to, that it led reason. To a flattening in two different ways. Cause one, yes, nobody has a second account that's dedicated to privately talking shit about people and spreading drama and being all the worst parts of Twitter. But also nobody has a second account for their uh, after dark. So everyone just yeah. ev like everyone just gave up and started posting all their adult content on their main account. It was just like fuck it, I'm just gonna go. <laughs> and, but the, and, uh, the cool it has thing is, been a quite a ch change. It has been the first day on Blue Sky was like, oh, I have seen every single furry artist naked now. I see, perfect. 
<laughs> but it's it's been interesting because because it's all AI, you can't manually tag your NSFW. So you have to kind of rely on the AI to capture it. But one thing that I will say is that it is actually pretty good at it. And if you have your settings set to warn and you're not going to see a dick pic on your timeline, you'll it, you'll be OK. You won't see yeah. anyone's butthole. It's all right. Do you remember why Hog um, getting happened? It was like Boozy Badger, right? Yeah, Boozy Badger posted uh, he he had like an argument with someone where he was like, if I get over 300 followers during this migration, like I'll I'll post hog as a joke. And then he immediately got 300 followers. Uh, So he posted hog. And then in solidarity, everyone else posted hog. Uh, So Fridays now are uh, fat hog Friday where people post pictures of their hogs. And that's the thing that happens uh, now on Blue Sky. Um, but the thing is, is you would never know if you didn't have if you had the content set to hide, which also helps avoid some of the issues that we had on Twitter, where Twitter still had elective SF- NSFW. But there was no way to just say never show me any of this. It would be like, here's a sensitive post that's all blurred. Are you sure you don't want to click it? And it would just like show it to people. Yeah. So now there's, it's like, there's kind of like a self-selected, uh, after dark toggle, I guess is the best way to put it for, um, for blue sky. That seems to be working really well. People seem to be really enjoying it. And it's just, it's created a very different culture, at least on furry blue sky where people are not afraid to just post their stuff and consolidate and share invites with people they actually want to interact with. And as a result, it's just, it's, it's better social media. It's so much better than Twitter. It's unbelievable. It's been an experience. Yep. It when Andrew, be, when Andrew joined, I, think... I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I, for, for me, it's going to be, I mean, blue sky will be the place that I go to send my hot takes. That will be the place yeah. that I use blue sky for. <laughs> um, because I have an art place. I already have a place that I go yeah. to view art, and it's really great. And it has, I don't know why, it has way better NSFW features. Like, yeah, it Mastodon is, stuff in general is just way better with features. Yeah, on that uh, front. and mine needs it because mine has like an uncomfortably high amount of porn constantly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. To the point where, and it's like it's not. It's all porn. I can't look at it's all porn i cannot click the like turn this tag off uh for yeah, yeah but it's uh but yeah it's but it it's nice it's nice being and it's it's great being able to have a button that you click on and it opens a gallery and the gallery is organized by folders and you can click on it and look yeah. at the photo like images and i can go holy shit i can just view an entire artist portfolio and i don't have to sift through the 13th same fucking gif reaction that they send to people who like their fucking goddamn <laughs> yeah. art yeah. and it's just yeah. like I, I i i cannot stress enough how like i i understand and i get so frustrated uh knowing that like this is the only way that artists can interact because like it sucks that this is the site that everyone's on but i also hate being the guy that is like yeah you absolutely should not have uh an art site that you use regularly like it is infuriating trying to like i really like your art you better have a place i can go that just has it because otherwise just is your art yeah i'm I'm just gonna be pissed like especially since some some of these people are so basic that they post the same reaction gif 20 times in a row i'm like oh my god have have some variety they'll have their favorite fucking picture and they'll use it constantly I'm like, please, please just have a gallery, please. I start desperately yeah. <laughs> searching for their gallery somewhere so you can just look at their art. 
And like, yeah, the like uh, on Blue Sky, you can just set up a feed. I, I have two feeds already on Blue Sky that where I just can manually tag every like all, all basically all art that isn't mine, and then all art that that I did make myself as two separate feeds. And then you can just click on that feed to browse that stuff instead of being like, ah, oh, I gotta click his media tab and then just deal with what happens because every fucking reply is here <laughs> and so on. Yeah. Well, I think, too, the thing with Twitter that makes the media tab so annoying, and I don't know, maybe I'm just not understanding it, but, like, browsing the media tab sucks because when you actually go to browse it, yeah. you click into it and it opens the picture, not the tweet. You have yes. the you have the bottom, the bottom reblog and like thing, but if I want to, like, go to this tweet to see the replies, there's nowhere for me to click other than to copy the own link to the tweet and then paste it yeah. into my URL. Like, it's so bad. It is such oh, a poor it, site in terms of usability. Almost you know, every single Twitter that... feature seems designed by somebody who didn't doesn't understand why anyone would use it. Yeah. Like, one of the worst features I, is the fact that you can block people. But if somebody responds to a person that you have blocked or who has blocked you or any kind of interaction happens surrounding people that you have or have blocked or have blocked you... Twitter just still shows you each other yeah. constantly, but as this frustrating, <laughs> unknowable person, it'll either constantly show you, here's an account you blocked, and give you the option to show them. And I'm like, I, the goal was to not interact and, or remember this person anymore, so why are you showing me a tweet that I can open from them? And on the other, other hand, it'll, it, on the, from the other half of this perspective, it'll say, this person controls what kind of tweets that they... that." Uh, uh, what yeah. kind of people can access their account <laughs> or whatever and every now and then that's a private account a lot of the time is they specifically blocked you <laughs> especially yeah. like as i be yeah. as i'm becoming a more public figure that is hated by more people for increasingly confusing reasons uh yeah yeah i'm getting i'm getting blocked a lot more and i'm just seeing a lot more of these like infuriating tweets where it's just like it keeps showing me the blocked person and i'm like this person's goal was to not interact with me why are you reporting their behaviors to me like i don't know if yeah the, if, <laughs> if, if there's a picture and then somebody who blocked me replied to it and they artist replied to them just hide both I don't need to see the artist reply to the blocked person. You don't need to contextualize it in the context of like, ah, oh, this artist replied to somebody who blocked you or you blocked. It's like, fuck yeah. you. We're supposed to not know each other exists. That's the whole point of a block feature. Yeah, drama. completely agree. No, it's yeah, so... it's, it's exactly that. It's more engagement if they yeah. show it because the site wants people yeah. to fight. Yes, yeah, it just it wants people to be miserable that's, all the time. Yeah, that's why it's important to have places that don't incite violence. That you can hang yeah, out Yeah, controlling the flow enjoy. of traffic is yeah. really important, it, yes. especially when it comes to like minimizing violence, right? Like you the best way to to deal with this sort of thing isn't to like figure out the best algorithm to make people not engage with negative stuff. It's just like, yeah, just like make an environment where people just don't post negative stuff. And if they do, don't make it so easy for people to find. There you go. Problem solved. Yeah. And it's been very frustrating because the entire website is so very obviously designed to create conflict. And as I'm seeing from Blue Sky users, we're all very aware of how painful Twitter is to use and how many of these behaviors are deeply infuriating and bad and why we don't want to recreate them. But that has never stopped people from doing it on Twitter. Yeah. Like people have never yeah. just ha like self-policed for even a moment to be like, is this is this worth doing? 
Is this quote is, retweet worth making? Because I, 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 I well, did that. I specifically stopped doing any quote retweets like a year or two ago, maybe even more at this point. I don't know. Like, because I realized, like, hey, this entire feature is exclusively bad unless you're like signal boosting somebody's crowdfunding project yeah. or something or sharing the only art reason or why something. I use it is if I want, if there's like a good post where it's like, here's my yeah. cool art with like a funny joke in it. And then I want to like comment on that. And I'm like, haha, this one made me laugh pretty good. Yeah. Like the, 80% the quote of retweets my, are, should just of, be used for positive replies. <laughs> yeah. 80% of my quote retweets are me sharing fan art while like surfacing my reply to it in the form of a quote retweet because yes. replying to it doesn't work the same way. Yeah, exactly. And that's the Which correct way to use it. You should not be using it to dunk on people because that just gives that person attention, spreads negativity, uh, introduces this fight to dozens or hundreds or thousands of more people. And also because of how Twitter works, we and we've known this for too long for anyone to act like they don't know at this point. It's been too obvious for the last like six years. Uh the moment any quote retweet gets any level of attention, that person gets harassed. Like that, qu it gets dark yeah. very quickly, and things get just fucked up. Like that's just how that site has worked, and every person needs to behave in a way where they understand that that's what their beha behavior is inviting when they do that. Like it's just not that deep. Yeah. Right? But the community has refused to even slightly improve ever. And given how oh, many yeah, people completely. were happy to pay for Twitter the moment that it went got, got happened, and all those people had the worst possible takes, and they all got uh, they all got front loaded to be the top replies of every single thing ever that had any level of impact, and they all had the worst, most homophobic, hateful, nightmarish thoughts. It it it's it's not it's, it's irredeemable. The site's not savable. This community is not. It does nothing to save. This community is not worth protecting or rehabilitating they will never behave yeah. better they will never not be just a website about harassment that unfortunately is also the best place to get art yeah like that's no, the I feature think, I think that's, that's like the core feature of the whole website that is its business model is creating and spreading outrage and not caring how it affects the people that it targets that's literally so honestly what, that, no wonder elon here. musk bought it because he's been exploiting people his whole life so obviously the problem here is artists again. Yet again, content creators have fucking ruined everything for us because they didn't just pick a better site to put art on. And now that they put all this <laughs> stupid shit on fucking Twitter, now we got to see all this beautiful nah. art next to all this pile of shit. So again, it's users' it fault. Back. Why don't content creators police their fucking things? It's users' fault. People who make art moderating. have have pretty consistently, until recently, posted across multiple platforms, and Twitter was just like another place to post it, akin to like how I post yeah. a YouTube video sometimes. Uh, Twitter's uh, just the last bastion. That's the thing. Twitter's just, just where it works. Widest Twitter, reach. Yeah. The, yeah. Whereas Twitter, whereas it doesn't work for me because Twitter actively deboosts and tries to shadow ban anything that's about an outside link and so on. If you're sharing yeah. art, like a linear non-algorithm, non-algorithmic gallery site where people can only find you through word of mouth will never compete with like algorithmic, like viral picture sharing and so on. Like fucking purple yeah. chunks having an aneurysm every day because new discourse happens over his love handles drawing every day because it just <laughs> keeps living forever and ever. Like that never happens to somebody's deviant art post. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Yeah. Th those websites, websites just don't work that way. So in many cases, these people are posting uh, 
on multiple sites. It's just that Twitter's the only place where people actually see their stuff. And then you get a younger generation of people like MASH and everyone who exclusively would post their art on Twitter because that's just where it's the only they site saw... that existed. Yeah, it's the only place, <laughs> they, they, it's the only place they ever saw art because that's where everyone was posting it because not, you, it's so hard to find any of the other places. We got to fix everybody. Yeah, we are, though. That's what happens with the fall yep. of Twitter. It's actually happening. What yep. we talked about a few weeks ago is finally coming to fruition. People are going to other websites, and guess what? They're fucking better. Yeah. We're got, going back I, to the old internet, sort of. I've got two pins, and it's dubious whether or not they're going back, worth going back to. Uh, but I have two pinned topics that I never got to quite finish from an hour ago and from two hours ago <laughs> that were the, the, okay. the, the, the creations of our conversations. But just for the poor people who didn't, who remember that the conversation happened and then that it didn't, the, the topic never got addressed and then we moved on, uh, I, I will save you now. Uh, the, and the Andrew One Piece art, and I realized that after, in the context of the last hour of conversation, I'm basically the bad guy in this conversation now, but uh, <laughs> it was that uh, I, I confronted uh, I confronted Andrew for, for the content because it was funny because uh, Twitter surfaced his likes in that form where it advertises your likes. And he had liked One Piece art where all of it was all the dudes from One Piece all sucking on popsicles together and they all had hard ons and they were all like shiny <laughs> in general. They're very like wet and moist looking and they were just it was it was just explicitly softcore erotic art. And Andrew is just so painfully straight that he didn't even register what he was looking at. And so I just, I had, so when I, when I was scrolling Twitter during matchmaking in Overwatch, I just had to bring it up because it was the fucking funniest thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> and I just, and that was what caused this entire last hour of topic about the, the state of the internet and all that other nightmare and everything. The other one is about my burnout, not my burnout, but like my, my, my night, myself, my self created whole of hobby jobs and so on. Uh, Something really interesting happened in, in the last year, which is that I had some extra incentive to make the essay channel work because of the fact that my Let's Play channel was becoming unprofitable. Like it was trending, it had been trending downward for like the last like 18 months. And when I whenever I bring this up, people rudely blame it on furry stuff, even though the furry stuff started like a month ago when I mentioned that, and I was talking about a long-term trend, but that's just showing them that they're mad. They just don't want me to express myself. Great. But the uh uh I was like, okay, well, this I had this web I had this this channel where I did gaming content and it was consistently growing at a specific linear rate, and my income was growing year to year at a linear rate. Like this is sustainable. This is this at least it, uh, at the very least, I can maintain what I what I have right now with this, and it'll stay that way, and maybe it'll grow eventually into something that I can do more with. Uh, but for like a year, it was trending downward, and that's scary to see things going down because like it's all algorithm and it's all you just doing your thing. And it's like, okay, do I have to do I have to do a massive format change and piss off all my audience because the YouTube is deprioritizing this behavior, or they collectively are by not by saying they want it but not actually clicking on it. Uh, or uh, something else or whatever. Like, do I, I need to make some kind of change just to be a responsible adult that has to figure out how to make a living this way? And uh, so one of my approaches was that I wanted to make the essay channel work because that seemed like the biggest opportunity for growth was the fact that, like, I mean, it, I mean, it has been. Like, look at look at how the Lego Sheen and Astra essays went. Like, that is obviously a level of like. Uh, 
reach that I can't have making let's plays like it just doesn't they just don't work the same way on YouTube like that so I can't keep doing what I do to grow that way and so that was what I, one of the one of the extra incentives to work extra hard on that and why I was getting extra anxious about that stuff and so the big plot twist is that while I was kind of backing myself into a corner of working multiple jobs I kind of have accidentally turned the essay channel back into a hobby and it, or at least I've significantly reduced the stakes there. I still do want it to take off because I do want to grow my income and I want to, you know, be able to afford my own place and other stuff like that. Like, you know, basic trajectory through your lifetime stuff that people have in their careers. Uh, but the fucking weirdest thing is that, like, uh, we did really just have a conversation about it in the Discord. And then just on a whim, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to make a new Patreon tier. $5 for early access to Let's Plays. That has been so fucking successful for the last, like, two or three months that it has completely eclipsed any level of income that I have made or ever hoped to make in the near future from the essays, period. It, like, it, it, awesome. like it's it, that, that has done so well that it has undone the pressure to fix the sinking ship at the very least. Uh, yeah. Like, it's not... I'm not skyrocketing into some sort of, like... I'm not getting any sort of, like, what people consider to be success on youtube like actually making like a, a good living and being comfortable and that kind of stuff like that's not what's happening but i did write the ship like practically overnight because people were so supportive of that particular uh perk and like and enjoyed that specifically so that was that was that has been a huge boon and has recontextualized the essay channel a little bit like i i'm still working on it all the time and i am anxious about how long it's been since the last last video came out because i feel like i'm like Especially when, since uh, success in the way that it happened with the Lego Shoe video is so unlikely that if I don't capitalize on it correctly, it feels like I'm squandering that platform and and essentially like just dropping the ball when I got it, and that kind of opportunity won't happen again probably. Uh, and so, and I've been trying to figure out like different tactics for staying on task and figuring out how to like get my workflow right to get more videos out sooner and more frequently, hopefully and juggling projects there and so on. But the fact that it's not like a thing that I have to figure out, get on track and make it my primary job within the next year. Or I like start having to look at, look at quitting YouTube has been a huge change. Also, it definitely, it definitely does, does call the bluff a bit of people saying like, no, nah, you just got to have a Patreon and like people will just, support you because they like supporting you and they want your channel because now nah, you, you need you need perks <laughs> you definitely need to give people a thing that they want to pay for and they're getting a thing and that's why they support the channel that is provably very obviously what actually gets people to do it it is not just like oh i like your content and i watch it all the time and i want to support you no that doesn't work uh but in particular uh my patron was being hurt by my essay channel because of the fact that the once upon a time, the boon of my Patreon was the fact that it had this whole nomination and voting system, which I think for a small Let's Play channel is a very powerful incentive to hop on a Patreon, especially at smaller scales. But as the channel has grown, the chance that your nomination will win has shrunk and the value of individual votes has shrunk. But also I, re I restructured the schedule to be on for the let's plays to be kind of slower across the board uh to give myself a harder limit on how much content i'm making each week 
to give me more time to work on the essay channel, which then means that those votes happen even further apart from each other, while also having the issue where the increased scale makes the voting less impactful. So the only main perk I could reliably give uh, Patreon people was becoming less frequent and less potent. And so the whole nomination voting thing just was becoming a worse perks for reasons that I couldn't completely control. And so this has been like a huge change. It's just been like, hey, here's just fuck it. Whenever I upload, I don't do this for multiplayer videos because it's too much redundant content to constantly double upload. But every single main playthrough, basically within a day or two of me recording it, I put it in a big compilation video and put that up on Patreon and they just get it right away. And it's just completely agnostic. It, 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 it surfaces my recording schedule a bit because it's completely agnostic to the release schedule. It just comes out when it's the moment it's ready. And then, yeah. then and then on the YouTube side of things, it just kind of gets added to the end of the current schedule backlog to be queued up for next week or three months from now, whenever that slot is currently at right now. Uh, and that has worked. That has been a trip to watch. Uh, it helps that we, we launched it with with the games that, you know, it launched with though right like we had arches and then fear and hunger and now fear and hunger too and we have we had yeah. a bunch of other random shit in there that just like made it i think it was very appealing so it was like an easy buy-in and then i think when people realized like oh shit like i get a whole bunch of stuff now immediately whenever i want yeah. to like like whenever Keith does it it just it's such an easy sell like people really like it it's also wild how well Fear and Hunger is doing right now. I have not had a successful playthrough on this <laughs> channel since like 2019. Oh, I, thought you were, I thought you were talking about... Uh, I, have you actually reached... Uh, I, I only watched a couple of episodes of Fear and Hunger. Did you reach the ending? Of the uh, first game, we got five endings. Yeah, yeah, we got all of them. Yeah, we finished <laughs> Fear and Hunger 1 and started Fear and Hunger 2. But I'm, I'm saying like... Uh, you're saying like it's popping you, off. it used to be that you would like you know you know what this means colonel because you have mm -hmm. you've got a yeah. channel like there are just videos that just keep going they just keep going forever it's like look at that it's, you look at your analytics it's like yep that video from three years ago is still there just top 10 it's always there somehow it's just hanging in there like you get used to as a <laughs> let's player watching your older content be the majority of your or if not the majority of your views they're like your top videos every month and and not any of the stuff you actually uploaded that month and so you just yeah. and you kind of like so you uploading videos day to day is you maintaining your audience and keeping them happy and then just kind of like hoping you'll randomly hit that Skinner box of one of those videos taking off and actually going somewhere. And that's completely mm -hmm. out of your control, except for maybe like some certain levels of like, you know, uh, trend predicting and chasing to some extent, if that's what you the type of channel you want to have. And if you don't run your channel that way, then there's consequences because yeah like i think i think in 2019 i had like multiple playthroughs that did really well like disco elysium and outer wilds and 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 pathologic 2 and stuff like that and pretty much for like the last like three years like not a single playthrough has has had a life beyond its initial viewership the day it was uploaded basically like it's just mm -hmm. it's just been immediately forgotten content and it's not because like the content got worse or anything or changed format. If anything, it's the fact that it didn't change format. I'm not chasing trends and instead just making the stuff yeah. that my audience wants, but that's not how you make, make things that take off. 
But half the but half the time I don't know what will take off because fucking State of Decay one and two took off for some reason, and I was like, those are hail mary games that my audience didn't even <laughs> like when I uploaded them at the time, and for some reason they're some of my most popular playthroughs. It's like it's just it just happens, and you just you just get used to that, and yeah. you just get used to the idea that it'll ha- randomly happen every now and then, and you get real nervous when it just stops happening for a few years, and you don't know what changed. <laughs> so, but nowadays, yeah, I, I have my analytics for the last like two months. And the top 10 videos have just been fear and hunger, like from top to bottom. It's been like one at Astra animation and then fear and hunger parts like one through nine are like my top 10 videos. And uh, <laughs> right now, right now, my top 10 videos are four parts of fear and hunger one, two parts of fear and hunger two, uh, two perp animations, <laughs> uh, the at Astra one and the echo one. And then, of all things, are uh, the Queer Kids versus High School podcast we did uh, about a month ago, which I guess mm-hmm. was just a very good title and thumbnail combo because that one has already has four thousand views, and just it's been hanging in there in a weird way. I think but, the topic probably got shared around a lot. Is probably why it. Was yeah, but it's it's uh, where it is. It's very encouraging to see a playthrough take over my analytics because that hasn't happened for fucking ever. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's but anyway, awesome. Things are doing okay. Maybe I'll be able to afford an apartment one day. Ideally, that's uh, yeah. that would be uh, incredibly useful for your uh, ability to produce and relax at the same time. <clears throat> but anyway, those are the two topics that we like started talking about, but then got hard sidelined in that for an hour or two each. And so I just wanted to get back to those. Mm-hmm. We are past Colonel's bedtime. This is an accidental three-hour podcast. What have we done? No one's watching this one. See you guys next time. Send your questions to dialogchoicespodcast at gmail.com. Or don't. It's okay. No, please do. We'll find That'd you. be nice. Yeah, we don't we uh yeah, we don't have a lot of questions to go off of. Mm-hmm. But then we, but then we're mean, Damn. bad people who complain about the questions when we do get them. We're like, oh, what's your favorite dinosaur? Like, fucking. Well, that's the best part. Make better questions, you fucker. <laughs> that's the best part. Wow. <laughs> what's your favorite <laughs> video game? <laughs> what games are you playing right now? Good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye.